Ready, Dave? This is Jordan and Dave, and we are Don't Let's Start, a podcast about the It's hard to talk when you hear yourself like this. I think it's easy. Wow. Yeah, it is really hard to do this. Turn this shit off. So, the whole uh, two hours is gonna be like this. This is gonna be a very unpopular episode <laughs> that was hard to that was hard to do how did they might be giants do that that was not as fun as i thought it would be <laughs> no yeah <laughs> i was really excited so anyway uh this is don't let's start a podcast about they might be giants and today we're talking about then then the earlier years the earlier years uh which is a compilation made in 1997 so we're skipping ahead but the the reason we're skipping ahead is because i really wanted to discuss these songs while we're still in the 80s while we're still in the context of the 80s, 80s fever, right, Dave? That's I know you have, you have 80s fever. I have a lot of things. So It's been a rough week. Uh, yeah. Oh, do you want to talk about that? Life update. We need a cue for a life update segment. I was debating it. Life update. Uh, well, I have shingles, which is not Dave is joke. the shingles guy today. Yeah. How long were you waiting for that? Uh, we're going we're gonna to shingle Dave out a bit, and we're going to... Well, so shingles is no laughing matter. I mean, whatever. Despite my laughing, fucking cares. I laugh when I'm uncomfortable. You, the, if if you take the fact that I laugh when I'm uncomfortable, uh, go back to previous episodes and think about how uncomfortable I am all the time. Well, it's painful and it's an odd sensation. I said it's like a hundred thousand ants eating you alive from the inside. Well, it's better than like five hundred thousand. True. It's, gonna, it's all. Oh, about... it could always be worse. Now, are these ants like in the movie Ants? <laughs> Um, Are they little neurotic Woody Allen ants? Yeah, that's what I picture. I mean, I think that's why it's so annoying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, but it's a very odd, strange sensation, and it's kind of driving me insane. But uh, Speaking of odd, these songs, <laughs> These huh? songs, huh? <laughs> is there anything else you want to educate people? How do you prevent getting shingles? I, because it is your fault that <laughs> I am I'm blaming Dave for his shingles. Shingle shaming. Yeah. <laughs> um there's really no way to prevent it. It's dormant. Oh, that's uh, comforting. In everyone. Um uh, because it's adult It's so comforting that I'm laughing. Well, it's adult chicken pox. So if you had chicken pox as a kid, which most kids do. It's not a very adult sounding uh disease. <laughs> <laughs> What chicken pox? Silly, or shingles? silly pox. It's silly kind po- of like a silly name. I have silly pox. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why they called it shingles. Yeah, that's I like got, an old man name. <laughs> I got shingles. Well, it is more I gotta, common. I gotta repair the shingles on them. Basically, yep. I mean, yeah, I don't understand why it's called shingles because that's mm-hmm. not what it feels like. It should be called fire ant disease. Yeah. Um, internal fire ant disease. Mm-hmm. I F A D. I'm I'm not going to edit out the pauses on that. It's hard to acronymize, but it is more common in older people who are in bad health. Okay. Um, It's brought on by stress and and general ill health. I don't think I'm in general ill health. I mean, I'm not a a Superman, but, uh, you know. I I watched the 70s Superman last night. I try to take care of myself. Focus. (laughs) Yeah. But I am stressed out, I guess, even, Mm -hmm. even with the meditation and all the stuff I'm trying to do. So... 
folks, take care of yourself. And I mean that sincerely. We want to all be healthy and thrive. Yes. And now on to then the earlier then years. Then the earlier years. Man, where to begin with this? So this is kind of interesting in that um, this came out when I was a fan. So this is the first time we're talking about a release that happened in my life of being a fan and remembering it, which I yes. this, which actually was the one reason I was reluctant to jump ahead to it because I kind of have, well, not, not um, concrete plans, but I do have some sort of a vague idea that when we get to stuff that came out, we'll kind of make it personal. I have, sure. I have old journal entries when like factory showroom came out, you know, like kind of stuff that really cool. kind of stuff that like shows the, uh, the time period. Well, I can say that this release, mm-hmm. this double disc set is probably the thing. Double I've- disc probably the thing i borrowed yeah <laughs> um i know it was the thing that was uh played that's where all the scratches came from on my cd where i got uh well, i think it was daniel's <laughs> oh okay and i know that's where the majority of my education in they might be giants came from is those mm. that those two discs so i knew all the weird b-sides and and yeah uh things left off albums well, it's early not on too. it's not like the stuff on their first album isn't uh you know a little different and yeah, yeah. strange i guess the rarer stuff is yeah but then it kind of takes it a step further in my opinion at least or some of them into like is is this a song yeah <laughs> which we'll talk about sure. um quick tangent um shout out to our friend daniel he did this amazing rabid child oh yeah music video slash cover full band well it's all him yeah. <laughs> one man band cover um, he turned it into this metal song. Yes. And it's on his um, YouTube. And I've got to give a shout out because even Mr. Bill Krause himself on Facebook said yeah. he loved it. And that's, oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, on the, on the, the They Might Be Giants uh, Facebook group, Bill Krause replied saying, I love this. And I thought that was incredibly nice of him and also awesome because that's, that's high praise from him. And uh, so I'll play a little clip of it because it's just awesome. And because Daniel's a friend of ours who does a lot of work for this show that uh, you guys might not realize. I've I've mentioned a few times, but it's kind of insane what he's done for this show to help me compile clips and find stuff to, to play. So here's a clip of Daniel's Rabbit Child cover. Shakespeare's face in the big deluge Call her every day And you could see it on his YouTube channel. It's Daniel is Electronic, and he covers a different person every day. This is kind of an unrelated thing, but it's pretty related in this case. He covers a different artist on their birthday. But this Rabbit Child video, it's a full-on video, and he even references a thing from our show, which I'll let people discover. So shout out to Daniel. Shout out to Daniel. I'll, I'll email you back soon. So then the earlier years, um, I have to say, there, there are things to say about the, the song choice and all these things, but mm-hmm. l- just as a package, I've always really loved the, the, the whole package here. The artwork is done by Tony Millionaire, yeah. cartoonist, comic book artist, uh, who did the Makeys. Is it Makeys? Is that how you pronounce it? I think so. Okay. <laughs> and Drinky Crow. Drinky Crow, which ha- for a while had SNL shorts. Yeah. And yeah. which really surprised me when I saw it. Like, I didn't know it was going to happen. I was like, what? And I know They Might Be Giants did some Drinky Crow um, theme song. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was for the SNL shorts. Hi, Jinx, low Jinx, everybody. 
everybody drink, drink. Come be a stowaway. Doke and doke and doke. With Drinky Crow today. Doke and doke and doke. I seize good times. Everybody drink, drink. Come be a stowaway. With Drinky Crow today. Doke and doke and doke. With Drinky Crow today. And his Drinky Crow is on their. Uh... Uh, oh, New Year's shirt. A lot of their merchandise is New Year's shirt that I wear all the time. It looks nice on me. I think I look attractive in it. I agree. But I, yeah, I always loved uh, the album art. And, yeah. And more than just it being uh, really cool, great art, it kind of uh, built up the atmosphere that you were about to get into. It, it puts you yeah. in, a, in a state of mind, I think. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, sometimes there's album art where you're like, you have to tell someone like, yeah, yeah, the, the album art's bad, but it's a good album. <laughs> yeah, isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah. But then I, I feel like this, it's a mix of classy and funny. Like yeah. it's Tony Millionaire's art is very, um, it almost has like an old style, like an 1800s. Yeah, it's like an etching. Yeah, but at the same time, there's there's humor and there's like absurd stuff going on. Like the back, I'm looking at the back of the booklet here. So there's this big, this is another thing we have to talk about. There's this big, thick booklet that comes with then the earlier years, which is something we've, Referred to many right. times for these first Another episodes. great selling point. Exclusive info. Exactly. And uh, this booklet was written by John and John. And we look for a box set sometime soon. It'll of, be out in the beginning of material. March. Yep. Beginning of March. The early, it's called Then, then the, the, earlier, early years. the Earlier Years. It actually has a um, very nice book with it. You know, one of those like CD, you know. Yeah, Flans and I wrote the uh, liner. And we wrote a pretty long and, you know, what we felt was... Probably saying too much uh, yeah, in a set of our hearts. We the, open our hearts uh, to the fans. The definitive uh, dissertation on the history of they might be. Well, we sort of, you know, like, you know, when you're doing like a, a retrospective thing like that, it was suggested that we get something to write liner notes for it. And it seemed like that was a good idea, but it would put this like weird slant on it. And a lot of things happened early, you know, in our early career that like nobody else was there for except us. So we right. sort of, yeah. we actually oh, good. took I'm glad some you time did. to do it. Yeah, it was, it was strange. It was interesting to actually try to sort of sum up you know, a bunch of years of performing. Right. They talk about the history of the band. A lot of the stuff they say is stuff fans didn't know. Some stuff was stuff fans knew from years of, of research. <laughs> so it has a bunch of early flyers in it. It's got this whole essay from them about how they started. It's very funny, you know, that's how they, that's just how they are. You get a few confessions. No, not really. <laughs> John and I spent weeks and weeks writing and rewriting the liner notes. So there's a, there's a, look, there's a whole kind of miniature history of the band plus discussions of all the tracks in a booklet inside. So, it's, you know, it's a really nice package. On a scale of 1 to 10, booklet-wise, yeah. we're looking at an 8.5 and 9. This is almost, this isn't, this is almost not a booklet. This is almost a book. I think that's a cute, it's kind of funny when something is smaller than a thing, you add a lit to it. Let's talk about that. Um, <laughs> Dave's looking at me like, where are you going with this? Like War and Peace Lit. War and Peace Lit. Yeah. Like, like can I read Notes that version. version of it? Exactly. Cliff Notes should have been called Lit Notes. Lit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This is why people tune in. In any event, I really love the... Uh, the art is fantastic throughout. Tony Millionaire. Yes. And, you know, this really did start him. He did a lot of stuff for the band over the years, but this was kind of the first. I feel like this was the first time it was really prominent or, or maybe the first time as a whole. The other thing we could talk about within the early years is that the, the first two albums and B-sides are remastered. And this is something people don't talk about with They Might Be Giants because like they recently... shameful. They, yeah. This is their dirty secret. So they've recently remastered Lincoln and we haven't talked about that yet. It came out, and I, you know, the the next day I'm googling 
any opinions on it, articles, mm-hmm. nothing. I waited like two weeks, Googled it, nothing. Um, I checked a month later. I saw maybe one person say that it sounded good. But how come no one... This is a big deal, guys. Come on, get on this, fans. Any like audio? Oh, well, is it a big deal when something I, I think gets remastered? It, is, it can be. Um, it is to people, maybe not even like me, even more audio obsessed than me. I think I'm, they're called audiophiles. Generally, when they remaster something, it's louder. Just because, uh, as I don't know, I guess as music uh, gets, it's louder, it's faster. No, that would suck if they change the. <laughs> we got to speed this album up. <laughs> just as more new music, and I guess the technology gets better, and maybe our ears get more decrepit. Uh, music just starts to get louder. Our louder. ears get more stuffed up with a bunch of all the <laughs> crap in the air, yeah. all the dust and. Although, so, yeah, and I guess we can't that's why hear things as much. Make things louder. No, but well, we can talk about this semi seriously because it's pretty controversial for some people. Because sometimes yeah. they go way too far. Well, so then they might start EQing and uh, the loudness kind of turns into a kind of a, a what you would call a a limiting feel, which is now new albums just do this right off the bat. So we're talking about that. I mean, Dave has a lot to say about this, I think, too. But when they remaster, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm not going to let him. But when they remaster. <laughs> an old album and it's done badly, then that's like horrible. Um, I think this remaster is pretty solid. As far as I've been able to tell, it is just a little louder. And they did say there was very, very, very slight adjustments, but not much. I think Flansburg, there's an old quote where he just said, don't worry, you know, it's it's not too bad. I was going to ask what your opinion on mastering it or remastering is because uh you know it's kind of that george lucasing thing yeah you kind of have the charm of leaving something alone i don't mind volume being pushed a little because there's certainly we're getting deafer there's certainly albums from the past like that violent are, femmes three yeah way too goddamn oh, we can talk low. about that <laughs> violent femmes fourth album right. is called three and it's low baby. um it's really freaking quiet and it's not just quiet. Like even when you turn the volume up, you're just like can't hear anything. It doesn't seem very full for some reason. Yeah, so I'm fine with it when it it's just a little louder, but I don't want it to be what they call brick walling. Mm-hmm. So um, one thing that Linnell talked about though with the miscellaneous T tracks. So so Dave, you had said you were used to the then track list. Yeah, yeah. Right in the old. So we talked about the miscellaneous T compilation, and Linnell actually said that this is more accurate to the order of the songs how they should be it's the first two yeah the first two albums plus it's all the eps which also in a different form have come out as a record called miscellaneous t which is a compilation of all our eps from those years um but this is kind of more in the order that the original stuff was released it has all includes the artwork from the original eps which is no longer available and it also includes about 15, 10 or 15 bonus tracks, which are recordings we made around that time that were interesting, but not really fit for either EPs or LPs. And then the other thing cool about this booklet, though... Um, oh, wait, I guess we should put a bow on the remastering. Love this booklet! We should put a bow on the remastering thing, which is just that it's basically a solid job. He said they might have done a little bit of EQ, but so subtle that you would almost never notice. And I really haven't noticed much. Agreed. All I notice is that it is louder and matches my later, later albums more. Um, I wouldn't mind an Apollo 18 remaster. You think that one's low? It has that kind of uh, Violent Femmes 3 feel mm-hmm. where I'm like, I want it more present or something. I don't know. It's hard to explain. You know, I got hope the, no one gets mad at me. I got the remaster of Lincoln. 
for my birthday. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't have a great record player because I don't really listen to records, but I didn't really hear anything. Yeah. So it, it, it might be the He said he made it I a have. little warmer, and I'm interested in that. I was uh, none the wiser. If there's any fans listening who are really into this audio stuff, I would love like a YouTube video that compares a song from each version. But then YouTube will compress it. <laughs> that's true <laughs> that's true that's a whole other topic but it should be if if there is a difference that's present enough d- uh, despite youtube's compression that would be super interesting that would be really cool put anna ing on let's hear how like the kick drum and the bass and all that stuff sounds in the original compared to the remaster hmm. why does no one care so anyway it's a great compilation in some ways you got a lot of material in one package like like we said it is easy for me to lend this to or daniel to lend this to dave whoever it was and i think i bought this before i bought lincoln in the first album i, I ended up buying everything anyway even though i didn't yeah really. and it was fun to like carry around and have all these songs it is fun to carry around it things. is fun <laughs> i guess it's funny so i was looking at old news group posts when it came out and there was a lot of criticism and it's funny because years later i don't think about the criticism but i just think yeah then the earlier years it's this it has a bunch of songs cool what's there to criticize a lot of people Jordan. were like we have the first two albums why am i buying them again if you're gonna put bonus tracks why not do a whole album of this stuff instead of squeeze it at the end well you have all this material so you it's like you're you're wasting um cd space mm-hmm. on stuff we have readily available and you could fit in more fun stuff and you know I, I kind of agree in some way because there, as we've discovered, there's so much 80s material that's not available anywhere still. But it's also kind of just the presentation of the whole package. Yes. Too. I mean, I think that was the point. I agree with that. It was like a comprehensive uh, collection. It's like a celebration. Yeah. Like this is our 80s material. I get that, from... but it's like that wasn't what they wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a valid point too. I think everyone's points are valid. This has been valid points. I agree with everything. So to get fans to buy this, besides the the beautiful booklet. Shout out to Tony Millionaire. And by the way, I also want to say it has all the the art from their early EPs, which now a lot of fans, you know, can look at online or can see in the, their vinyl, or whatever. At the time, though, I had never seen this stuff. I had never seen the Don't Let's Start EP. I had never seen like the Hotel Detective EP. And that's that's like also worth it, too. So anyway, to entice fans to buy this, there's a bunch of bonus tracks. So you've got the first album, you've got B-sides from the first album, and then a handful of bonus tracks. The bonus tracks are mostly unreleased stuff. We'll get to what's, you know, the annoying thing that's when something's already released and they call it unreleased. But uh, mostly unreleased stuff from the 80s that, you know, years years later, I, I really love this stuff and I cherish it. I'm glad that we have it. And just stands out in your mind. For, yeah for decades to come yeah and also it's this stuff is great quality i mean because they've released old demos and stuff that just they're kind of i don't know what happened here but they really went all out giving you like the best quality versions of these old songs that no one had heard so we are going to go through these songs today let's jump on in so the first bonus track is the critic or no not the critic <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Um, the first bonus track is Critic Intro. Every 
once in a while, a band comes along that changes the course of human history. And that band is They Might Be Giants. Tom Poston, The New York Times. Like so many things I can't understand, they left my teeth chattering for more. Peggy Cass, Aquarian Weekly. Okay, so Dave... So here's a fun game for you guys at home. Every, yeah. Every time that, that startling, jarring sound comes in, jump back in your chair and fall over. Yeah. And if you get hurt, good. <laughs> I heartily endorse this behavior. So we can talk gener- general about it, but I, I, there's this is a dense one, Dave. Uh, there, there's so many pop culture references in this thing that it actually took me like a full day of like looking stuff up. Yeah. So a day well spent. Yeah. So let's go through, we can go through that stuff one at a time. Um, but before we do that, I'd like to speak generally about it. Uh, what, what do you, what's your, <laughs> what's your reaction to critic intro? It's funny because this is again, in my education of they might be giants, one thing that was always played. Mm-hmm. And this is something that was, again, just another track in all the other tracks sure. that was just treated like any other song, like Don't Let's Start or Anna yeah. or anything. <laughs> yeah, you you didn't really have the context or, or maybe you just didn't really think about it too hard that these are like bonus, uh, you know, what were kind of not available to fans. You know, there was something I so mysterious that mm. kind of built up the lore of them in this song again. Yes. I mean, like, what band would do a track like this and put it on a release? And it just showed you, like, we're not dealing with the typical band here. These guys take chances. They're going to they're gonna give you something extra and flesh out a weird part of your brain that they're going to take over. It's like a comedy sketch. So, in a way, right? It's almost like, I don't know, it's like an archaeological dig or something. It's like unearthing... Uh, this weird artifact that says what the band is about. It's kind of this weird world building thing. Yeah. Again, that we've <laughs> talked about before mm-hmm. along with like the characters and everything else. Yeah. It kind of presents a, I, I mean, is mission statement too strong a term? <laughs> no, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. As with the, the kitten intro, which we'll talk about uh, yeah. <laughs> in more in depth uh, in the next episode. What is interesting to me is like, it is overtly funny it's pretty silly. Well, it's also a little scary too, especially at the end. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> well, here let's. So, so let, it's that perfect blend that they're so good at. Yeah, but it's sort of like a bunch of gags, sort of. Let's get into some of the what they call nitty gritty. This song has a lot of pop culture references. Dave. Knit my grit. I'm gonna knit your fucking grit. So the names. So okay, let's let's sum it up. They're reading, the joke is that they're reading fake quotes right. of praise yes. for They Might Be Giants. Uh, the way you'd find in maybe a, an ad for a movie or a, a new book out. Like, it's like a national lampoon. Blah, blah, blah says that. Here, Dave, let's make one up now about our show. It could be like uh, AV Club's Tasha Robinson <laughs> says that Don't Let's Start, a podcast about They Might Be Giants, is a in, the handsomest podcast. Is the most handsome podcast in the on the market <laughs> if you're into handsome podcasts if you're into handsome uh hosts Fucking and handsome folks <laughs> then listen yeah okay so that was like the idea yeah look we'll workshop that i mean me and dave we used to be in a comedy troupe we can be funny mm. sometimes that's me being funny so these pull quotes uh these fake pull quotes who are the people who are dave who are the who are these people <laughs> so they're real people these are real people and 
Who they, knew? They all seem unrelated, but, and by the way, I'm going to say right off the bat, a lot of the info for these bonus tracks, thank you to TMBW, because there's stuff that I do, I do not know how they found some of this stuff out, but I heavily relied on them for these episodes that we're doing. Anyway, so these are people who all appeared on a game show called To Tell the Truth, and it's yes. from, Dave, this is interesting. This, this is, uh, show was on in 1964. That's a good year, huh? Mm-hmm. You know what we're talking about. World's Fair, right? World's Fair. Six, this is an interesting time. So I imagine this is the, a childhood thing for them. Maybe they watch this show, right? Mm-hmm. I think everything that ever happened to them happened in this year. Yeah, exactly. It's reasonable to say maybe they watched this when they were kids, but it's also reasonable to say maybe they pulled this out of pop culture, um, a black hole that they just thought would be a bizarre and funny reference or both. I mean, it's both really, I I would assume it's both, but anyway, um, I was actually looking for a while on YouTube for an episode that had all four Mm. of these names together. And I found one and it's a pretty funny one. Me and Dave are going to watch a minute of it now. Okay. So to tell the truth is a game show where, well, you've got four panelists and they're trying to guess which of the three people in front of them is telling the truth. They're all claiming something, mm-hmm. right? So it's like... It'd so it's be, like that game uh, Werewolf. It is, yeah. <laughs> kind of, it was like Werewolf. Or um, Boulder Dash. <laughs> yeah. It is kind of like it's that. It's Boulder Dash. So, so like, for example, like if I was on the show with two other guys and I'm like, I have a podcast about right. They Might Be Giants, and then some other guy be like, I have a podcast about They Might yeah. Be Giants. Then the panelists ask them questions to try to trap them in a lie, see if they can tell that they're lying. That sounds fun. I want to so, do that show. So the one with all four of these people who say these, these fake poll quotes, which are uh, Tom Poston, Peggy Cass, Orson Bean, and Kitty Carlisle... <laughs> Maestro, I say right on! Orson Bean, Sky and Telescope. If you hear only one song this year, there's something terribly wrong with you. Kitty Carlisle, Easy Riders. Orson Bean is a real person? Orson Bean is in Being John Malkovich. He's the old guy who is kind of incites wow. the plot, who wants to live inside him and get all his old friends to. That's Orson Bean. So he's actually really, he's great in that I'm movie. He's, he's a really good actor and he's funny. So, so all four of them are in this one episode, which is they're trying to guess which woman is a witch. It's literally a witch trial. <laughs> <laughs> it's a goddamn witch hunt. So let's watch some of it. Uh, and this, is, this will give some good context for people for Critic Intro. Double, double, toil and trouble. Listen closely, here's the pitch. Fire burn and cauldron bubble. One of these ladies is a wet, 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 What is your name, please? My name is Sybil Leek. It's her. <laughs> My name is Sybil Leek. She's cute. My name is Sybil Leek. Oh, wait, it's her. Only one of these ladies is the real Sybil Leek. The other two are imposters and will try to fool this panel. Tom Poston, Peggy Cass, Orson Bean, and Kitty Carlisle. On to tell the truth with your host, Bud Collier. Yeah, I think it's the first one. I like that symbol. Yeah, it has a cool logo. Oh, I want a shirt of that. I've heard of Kitty Carlisle. Out of all oh, really? Yeah. Well, um, what do you know about Kitty Carlisle, Dave? Nothing. What the fuck do you know about Kitty Carlisle? L- literally nothing, but I've heard her name in, in other contexts. She's an actor? 
She's in a movie you watched? Maybe, yeah. She was Thor's mom or something. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is, I actually watched a bit of this episode. It's a pretty fun show. I thought it'd be funny to watch it with you, but we don't have a lot of time. Me and Dave are both so busy. Yeah, I'm so busy I got shingles. Yeah. <laughs> Which one has shingles? <laughs> I have shingles. I'd, I'd watch it. There's a lot of things to say about why they picked this reference point. Dave is scratching his shingles right I'm now, not. and the mic is picking it up. I hope you guys love this this podcast. Uh, how the audio start quality to, starting to make me feel bad. It's like you know that thing in Twin Peaks with the girl scratching her. Well, Daniel <laughs> listens to the show, and he's behind on that, so I don't want to spoil. He's starting watching Twin Peaks, so I don't want to spoil well, it. Guess but we have to cut it out. Th- there is a part where someone is scratching themselves, now, and there's a really. It wasn't like that. It was subtle. Let's go. <laughs> anyway, so to tell the truth, this is. Very interesting to me as a thematic thing with these bonus songs because there's the idea of fakeness Mm -hmm. and lies, big, big fake lies, right? Is the theme with the band, especially in the 80s to early 90s material, maybe even still, (laughs) we have to talk about them some in the future. But um, so the idea that they're referencing a thing to tell the truth on this thing that's lying constantly. Well, they like to explore artifice. Yes, artifice and lies yeah. and corruption. Which we like to explore, I think. I, I explore corruption every yeah. night, baby. Um, but um, so the, P- puzzling part of the part of a weird. It's almost like a sub joke. It's like under. It's like underground. It's like yeah, under yeah. the thing. But it, these are all fake quotes, and they're quotes of people who are on a show called Tell the Truth. A real TV to, to tell show the truth. that's about lying. A real TV show that's about lying and tell the truth. And then later we've got Fake Out in Buenos Aires. Yeah. We've got Counterfeit Fake. Man, I thought that was a really cool... I like when we find a reference and then it's like, oh, that actually totally works with the surrounding material. Yeah. A through line. So there's that aspect of it, uh, which is that they're on to tell the truth. Then there's the things that they work for. So they say Tom Poston is from the New York Times, which is like fair. I mean, none of this is true. Again. Do you think that's a joke about post times? I don't know. Maybe. Um, Might be a stretch. Peggy Cass is from Aquarian Weekly. So I I got Wikipedias on all these things. This Dave critic intro alone was like hours of me being like, okay, what what should we do here? Um, Aquarian Aquarian Weekly is something I never knew about. Do you know what that is? Isn't it just reviews of dolphins? Yeah. Um, No, if the dolphins were a rock band, because it's a rock. It's a, a rock newspaper. So it started in 1969. And then it was renamed to East Coast Rocker. I thought Aquarian Weekly is kind of a more ambiguous title than East Coast Rocker. It's kind of cheesy. It sounds like a dad title. <laughs> like, hey, kids, I got you East Coast Rocker. You guys like to rock out, right? So anyway, that's that's what Aquarian Weekly is. And, you know, uh, it actually looks like a pretty cool paper. Um, I would love to know more about it. So then after Aquarian Weekly... Whatever happened to papers like that, huh? Whatever happened to zines? I know, and- it's all iPads... Do you remember iPhones? Is that still a thing? (laughs) I used to love like getting the village voice and like looking at that whole back section of all the music, all the porn. Oh, no, no, not that far back. Asian escorts ads. There's like like, eight uh, pages of ads for Asian escorts. And it's weird because you'll be reading the village voice on the newspaper and you're just like, okay, like letters to the editor, uh, the show's coming up this week. And you're like, whoa, no. <laughs> eight yeah. pages well, of I would porn. like bring it to my college, you know, classroom and yeah. like flip through it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it was like all like CBGBs and who was playing that week and a whole bunch of stuff. Once in a while, my band was in it. It was cool. And I saved those. Village voice was cool. And then it's, like in Long Island, yeah. there was Under the Volcano. Oh, really? Yeah. I, man, I used to love when I, early days when I was dating my wife. 
I was uh, I would go out there, pick up under the volcano at uh, ever loving, honest to god music stores. You'd have these free yeah. periodicals. There's a few full of interesting tidbits, and I miss that America. I do too. It's it's actually massively depressing to me that Village Voice is not they're not made anymore. Yeah, no, it's not. A that happened paper. recently. Yeah, and that's horribly. Print sad. is dead, Jordan. I mean, I guess it's it makes sense, <laughs> but it's kind of sad because it's like the character of New York City is people walking around holding Village Voices and stuff. But anyway, um, so then it says, Maestro, I say right on. John and John are full of, full of they're full of beans. They're full of Orson <laughs> Beans yeah. in this track. And it's, it's highly entertaining to listen to. But uh, it says, Orson Beans, Sky and Telescope. So, Dave, Sky and Telescope. <laughs> Let's discuss that for five minutes. Can we? No, not for that long. But it, it's, it's a real magazine. Um, it started in 1941. I wonder what they talked about in 1941. The moon. Because there must have not been much... Uh, advance in sky i guess they i guess there's telescope technology the to tele- talk about yeah the telescope was invented in like the 1600s yeah <laughs> you dummy i just mean like it's you know how far were was it in the 40s a telescope i don't know it must have been pretty advanced to have a magazine yeah so there's a magazine all about it it talks about astronomy it talks space exploration i mean i'm not a nerd i wouldn't have read it but this is a magazine that's still going it's still going strong, I think. Well, maybe not strong. <laughs> I mean, this is a niche uh, topic. Oh, Dave, now Sky and Telescope is a website. Yeah, there's new articles on this you website. You can download a free moon map. I don't mean to disparage I just want to give a moment to our sponsors. Sky and Telescope, <laughs> you can download a free moon map. Oh, man, how cool would it be if we had sponsors? I would love to do commercials <laughs> Keep for dreaming, Sky and Dave. Telescope. No one gives a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> It's because we're punk. And then the next magazine, Easy Riders, <laughs> which I was, I didn't know that. So here's the thing. I didn't know these were magazines. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I didn't know they were all magazines until I looked this stuff up. And I don't know if our listeners, some of them might not have known Well, either. I didn't bother to look up if any of it was true or not. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's what they wanted. Um, so Easy Riders is a biker mag <laughs> from 1970. It covered uh, Harley Davidson motorcycles, but it also is known for including pictures of nude or topless women. So you got bikers, you got chicks, and you got a fake, they might be giants. Uh, I think part of the joke here is that it would be pretty funny if they loved they might be yeah. giants would you think they were named for the movie i would assume so i would assume so too unless that was an even older term yeah maybe it, it is what's the etymology of easy writers well if they put out a song called easy writers that's how we'll know the only way i find knowledge <laughs> i've learned a lot trying to figure out what some of their lyrical references are yeah, yeah. but it's like it's a weird incentive to learn things <laughs> it's very specific and then i have this wealth of knowledge about it really adds up to, it's not really going to help me in life, I guess. Uh, it's no. not going to help anyone. But, um, but what does it hurt? Exactly. Uh, besides so you. Those are the magazines and those are the people. And, uh, and here's the steeple. And here's the steeple. <laughs> Sorry. So if you only hear one song this year, there's something terribly wrong with you. Did they make, I feel like that's a common joke. Hmm. But is this the first time that joke happened? I'm not sure. I feel like I've heard that somewhere else. I feel that way as well. For like, if you only read one book, this right? Year. If you only see one movie this year, yeah. Um, but I think this might have been the first time I, think I Hitchcock heard it. Hitchcock made that up or something. Yeah. <laughs> if you only hear one Hitchcock <laughs> this year, that's a dead on Hitchcock. This, well, this is why Hitchcock didn't have a podcast. I'm just gonna say it was Hitchcock. So then the the music in the background we need to talk about, yes. and this this is a whole other tangent. And honestly, this is gonna be a, a big 
critic intro is going to be a, a lot of this episode. <laughs> Sometimes life takes you to weird places. Yeah, exactly. So according to the wiki, and this is something I personally looked into, um, the music is taken from the, it's an anime, t- old TV show, Gigantor. Now I'm familiar with Gigantor just as a pop culture thing. I've not seen mm. the show, but you know, I know, I, I I know really what he wasn't. looks like. Yeah, the the big robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of like an Iron Giant esque for our for our millennials. Those are not millennials Jordan. for whatever the fuck. <laughs> Those are all forty for our listeners who don't know Gigantor. It's kind of about a big robot. It's a 1960s. Again, this is it, uh, it's from 1963. So again, I really do think everything from their lives is from their childhood. Yeah, here. It debuted on U.S. television in 1960. So you got to imagine he comes home from the World's Fair. <laughs> He's like, boy, am I beat from hanging out at all the uh, depots at the World's Fair. I'm going to watch some Gigantor. I have to say, it has a really long theme song. <laughs> goes on and on. So it's set in the year 2000. Oh, boy. <laughs> and it's about little Jimmy Sparks. Who, I love any character who's called Little. Yeah. on the blank. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if, if... Little Jimmy. Little Jimmy Sparks. He's a 12-year-old boy who controls a big robot. Yeah. And so they might be giants for whatever, whatever reason. Now, this might just be a pun on the fact that their name is they might be giants. Sure. So they're like, oh, it'd be funny to have Gigantor be a thing. Or it might have been something that impacted them. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. I mean, it is kind of a surreal show. I mean, if you think about it, it's a black and white anime from the 60s. There's some like awkward moments in it. And it is kind of funny. Um, I think me and Dave should watch a little of it right now. Let's do it. Well, a lot of that stuff is kind of heavy because all that anime stuff came out of, you know, the post-World War II, the bomb yes. dropping and all the radiation stuff and, you know, Godzilla and everything There's else. There's like wish fulfillment, like we have all this, we have this robot, we have this big thing, we could protect us. Right. And we have, there's Godzilla and yeah, it is, it is weird. It did, uh, it did um, manifest in a very strange time. They, they took the music specifically from season one, episode one, which is called Struggle at the South Pole. And it's actually pretty interesting, Dave, when you do hear the part from the, the episode. I can't wait. Struggle at the South Pole. One day in the year 2000. Jim! Jim! What's up, Inspector Booper? Where are you? I'm going to pause it here. One thing I want to point out, um, they had an intro for the Irving Plaza shows in the 90s that I went to, and I don't know, I don't remember, I don't know if you went to them. It might have been too soon for to being a fan of theirs. But um, they had a Gigantor intro. Hmm. So before they went on stage, you heard this song. Hey, how's it going? Thanks a lot for coming, you guys. So Gigantor looms in their catalog. Mm. And, it, you know, those, those shows were promoting then the earlier years. So it's interesting to me that they were, I guess, they, that they were cognizant enough of the fact that they took a few little bars of music from Gigantor for their minds to go, oh, so why don't we also yeah. use the theme song to open the show, which is, like, very interesting to me how their their ideas work and how they're, thought process. Jack Antor on the brain. Exactly. This kind of reminds me of Blood Boat. 
Blood boat? Me- metal- yeah, melodically. Yeah. It does kind of sound like blood boat. So now I'm going to go to the part of the episode that has the music. That's actually, it's also in the kitten intro too. So you'll recognize both. There's a bunch of little penguin robots. Uh, very Mega Man-ish. Of, very Batman Returns. Yeah. Attention! As you see, Gigantan is frozen helpless in a shell of ice. Surrender or we destroy you! Give up? Oh no, no deal! Inspector, you got a big mouth! We give you 24 hours to think it over! Look! Get ready to fire! Hold it! Hold it! Hold your fire! I'm not an enemy driver! I'm on your side! Hey, that's Dick! What? It's who? You're right! Dick Strong! (laughs) Every once in a while, it's kind of surreal on an audio level. Watching it, and then that music comes in when you've you've heard this thing so many times. I have one question. I don't know how they got that I was just gonna track. Ask. I was looking for the track so I could maybe play it in the show. But all that came out, there was a Gigantor score album that came mm-hmm. out recently. Um, it doesn't have that, though. And there's even comments on the YouTube being like, oh, well, why don't you put out this one or that one? Like, there's a lot of score made for the show. But they didn't put that out. Maybe there was some vinyl back in the day or something. Because hmm. I how the, I don't know how they got it, honestly. So so now let's move on to the second half of the Critic and Show <laughs> really fast before we move on. Because this is like, this really, like Dave said, this it really is like a mission statement from They Might Be Giants. Ladies and gentlemen, do not be alarmed. Please remain perfectly still. What you are about to see is real. The performers are not grinning scarecrows sent here to torture and manipulate you. Yeah, I mean, it is very funny but it's also kind of scary uh, the line that always stuck out to me is the grinning scarecrows sent here to torture and manipulate you which is mm-hmm. horrifying and kind of goes back to uh where your eyes don't go yeah I, you think that came from the same place that nightmare that linnell yeah. had the member of the <laughs> band had um yeah I, I think that's interesting i love how linnell reads it it's it's funny <laughs> ladies and gentlemen it is my pleasure Introduce the twin quasars of rock. Please give a warm, friendly hand to they. Yeah, he's doing funny voices. I love doing the, a funny voice. The twin quasars of rock. Quasars. What is a quasar? It's like an astronomical phenomenon or something. It's a, a Marvel s- character too. I think it's a like an exploding star. I don't know. Oh my god! Date me and date this guys. We're gonna do live research. I'm gonna see what a quasar is because well. yeah. A massive and extremely remote celestial object emitting exceptionally large amounts of energy. That's they might be giants yeah, in the eighties, especially an exploding star, and typically having <laughs> a star-like image in a telescope. Oh shit! Now we're back to telescopes. Sky and telescope, they look for quasars. So just to talk about the context about the critic intro a little bit more, and then we're going to move on. They would play this as they were getting on stage at early shows, right? To set the tone. To set the tone, pump people up. Um, I think I've heard a bootleg or two where people are just kind of like screaming during it and not listening. <laughs> so I don't know how effective it was, but it is great that they put it on here. I do, I do like that they included this because even though it's not a song, it's like it does feel important to the band. Yeah, his, I think it sets you up history. for what they're about. Yeah. So we can move on. I yeah, think, we've to... been on this one for a while. I, I'd like to move on to the next one because it's actually quite a lovely song so the next track uh not track two it's track 29 
now that I have everything. The mirror on the wall won't talk to me at all. Now that I have everything, the place is at the brand just doesn't look the same. Now that I have everything, I wasn't always so fortunate, but I knew what I had to do to be well to do, and it had to do with the things I had to do. I just don't want anything. I don't want anything. Okay, now that I have everything, Dave, it's a song. It's a real song. Yeah, I like this one. It's a it's a nice song. Yeah, what do you think? Uh, <laughs> I think it's really great. Yeah. Um, this is like a, one of my favorite They Might Be Giants songs. It's just very, you know, melodic and fun. And uh, that's a really solid song. It kind of got uh, brushed aside a bit, I guess. Yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, I guess you don't know until you're kind of make you're doing it yourself. You're making art. You're doing songs. You're 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 kind of you know cutting out your own stuff. But it's it's very hard to understand sometimes. Like, wow, how could they bury the song for? Years and years and years. I mean, I guess this came out in 97, so it's not too long of burying it from the 80s or whatever. But it's just such a wonderful little song. And it's it's as lyrically um, complicated, I think, as anything. I I don't... We're going to struggle through that a little, I think. It's a little bit of a puzzler. Yeah. And um, the melody's great. So it's interesting. um, This was written by John Linnell back when he was with the Mundanes. Right. Yeah. Which is very surprising to me because it it honestly kind of felt like a Flansburg song in in more ways than one. It kind of felt like his themes and his... Yeah, I thought that too. Why do you think that is though? Why do you think we thought... Why does he sing it? Oh, and why... why I was going to say, why did we perceive it Mm. as a Flansburg? You think there's like an odd false confidence in it? Yeah, it's kind of like extra savoir faire or yeah, something. It's yeah. like a Flansburg narrator feels a little more like this than a Linnell narrator. Yeah, I guess Flansburg narrators feel a little more like in in the story more, and Linnell narrators are like observing more outsiders. it. Yeah, I don't know, um, but it just always had the vibe. But so it is surprising that it's Linnell. It's also surprising that he wrote this song in the Mundanes, and I wonder if that reflects the lyrical content at all he's in this like band yeah. that's kind of getting hot and you know doing being on public access tv and stuff very um, hot yeah very hot so one thing we can we can say right off the bat is that the the tmbw was is was amazing enough to have the actual drum recording that they used for this song I'll play it for you, Dave, because it's kind of interesting. So, so they might be giants didn't make this drum beat for the song. They grabbed it off of a drum beat album called Drum Drops Volume Three, the professional drum album drops. by, and this was made by David Krigger and Joey D. Vieira. Vieira, I don't know how to pronounce that his name. Vieira. But um, so here's here's that, and it's kind of it's kind of fun to think of the song when you listen to. Let's hear it. One, two, three, four, five. The mirror on the wall. <laughs> Talk to me. <laughs> Play along, everyone. It doesn't have that sound, though. It is. It's very subdued. They they tone that so that little like farty noise. <laughs> they um they as one should do. Yeah. They toned it down. Um. So if you actually listen. So the drums are stereo and that farty noise is in the right ear. But if you listen to Now That I Have Everything, the drums, I think they're mono and I think they just kind of were, if you if it's a stereo thing, you can easily tone it way down because you have more control over grabbing that audio. Yeah, I mean, I don't hear it at all. Well, I think that little keyboard thing is kind of masking it. It's there is really quiet. You can hear it in a couple little parts. 
So I thought that was, that was kind of cool. That's actually a cool songwriting experiment is to take a drum track and like see what you can put on it. Right. Not, not that I think that's how they did it. I think they had the song first. One of the curious things about the song that, that people notice uh, is, you know, the drum fills are in fairly random spots throughout the song yeah. because they didn't control that sort of thing. They just let it happen. So I always thought that was funny. And you know, what's funny about that is... It, it's not like it feels wrong because you get used to the song sure. and then, and it kind of feels like the spirit of the band is like, you, you can't, you, you can just make up your own rules and do things in a kind of unique way. And then the fans get used to it. Cause we talk about a lot how like we forget how, how strange, you know, some yeah. of these songs are cause we're fans and we're just, we just enjoy them. The songs are just the songs. Yeah. And then when you play them, for a non-fan, which which happens often, suddenly it jumps out at you. And and actually, this goes for my own stuff too. <laughs> my own art, my own things I've made, movies, especially my short films in school. When I would play them for someone, I'd be like, "Whoa, uh oh, <laughs> this is like not what I." The experience now is very different than when I was just editing it and watching it by myself. So this this is one of their earliest songs they've said. And one thing that they've said a few times is that it was the first song on their first demo. Mm-hmm. Hi, this is John of They Might Be Giants. You know, a lot of people ask us, what was the first song on your first demo? Well, we like to say it was entitled, Now That I Have Everything. And then often they say, where can I hear this song that was the first song on your first demo? And we say, well, there's only one place. And that place has to be They Might Be Giants' Dial-A-Song Service. 25 hours a day, 6 days a week. Die music at the end of the tunnel for a new generation. Brooklyn's ambassadors of love, they might be giants, performing their very first tape, their very first song on their very first demo, and it was called Now That I Have Everything. Coming up live on They Might Be Giants Dial a Song Service. And I don't know what the first demo, what that context means. Like, was it something they gave out? Was it, a, I guess, a, I assume a cassette? Yeah. It was this song and Weep Day and Sally Boy Candy Bar, which a, which many fans know and love. Hell Hotel, a, ver, a earlier, weirder version of Hell Hotel. And I'll Remember Third Street, which is Space, space Suit, an early version of Space Suit. So that's, that's quite that's a, a... That's an eclectic mix. That's a weird mix. And... It, I, so they said they, they put this song on there so that people would know that they could write like melodic pop mm. songs that are fairly um, accessible. So what's one interesting kind of fan obscure thing is that, uh, so this was on dial a song, uh, you know, maybe through the nineties, it's hard to tell, but there's two separate dial a song recordings from the phone that fans got with two separate intros that Flansburg made. And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll play some of them now. Hello, this is John of They Might Be Giants. Thank you for calling our Dial-A-Song service. We have a special song today on our Dial-A-Song. It's the very first demo we made as a band. It's called Now That I Have Everything. Uh, but before we play that, we'd like to remind you that we do have a record available in record stores such as Final Vinyl between 2nd Avenue. Uh, no, on 2nd Avenue between 5th and 6th Street, they are selling our new single, Don't Let's Start, which we just made a video for, which hopefully you'll see on your local video channel. And... Uh, but we would like to remind you that the new record, Don't Let's Start, is a 12-inch maxi single with three new songs on the flip side. So I hope you run out and buy that. Uh, we'd also like to remind you to tell all your friends about They Might Be Giant Style Song Service because we're sure they'll enjoy it just as much as you. So coming up now, without any further ado, They Might Be Giants going back in time with their first demo, Now That I Have Everything. The mirror on the wall won't talk to me at all. 
So, so Dave, what do you make of what do you think this the song is is getting at? It's kind of hard to say. It's one of those songs again. Why we thought it was a Flansburg, yeah, where it's just sort of the the narrator that's obsessed with himself. I don't know. Maybe he has a, a conflated, um, you know. E- ego about what they think they're capable of. I, the mirror on the wall won't talk to me at all. You know, this kind of makes me think of Snow White. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's where it's from. Really? <laughs> See, I thought this was an amazing revelation. You've always thought that? Oh, yeah, of course. You didn't know that? You fucking... Well, no, I, I always... So I always assumed it was a joke about, like, he's talking to himself. Not that the mirror talks. If you say the man in the mirror, the joke is that well, because that's it's, you. Well, because it's the rhyme, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all the queen you know asking who's pretty or whatever as one does in the song though so they're saying the mirror won't talk to them so if 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 we're assuming this is the he's referring to the magic mirror and not his own reflection well i think i do think you could look at this both ways (laughs) or either way rather i think the point is that he's or the narrator is sort of content in already having the answers i think that's kind of what the the general vibe is it's like, I don't, you know, well, I don't really need your opinion because I know I'm great. Yeah, yeah, okay. I like that. I've never thought of that. No, the whole thing is just about like a supremely arrogant presence. See, I mean, we can agree on that. Can we? Uh, maybe. I, I always got like this weird, it's like, like a, he's like suffering in some way though, like from having everything. Like, it's weird because I guess it's like, it, it, <laughs> it always seemed like now that I have everything things are bad but i guess he's saying he's really fortunate because then the next part he says i wasn't always so fortunate but i knew what i had to to, (laughs) do this is hard to read i knew what i had to do to To be be well well to to do do. and it had to do with the things i had to do i kind of you know i'm like reprehensible comes into my mind that's also a linnell song right yeah see that's weird because exactly that that feels like a flansburg theme right and it, it even goes with Flansburg's personality as far as we've understood it. Right, outgoing, gregarious. Outgoing and kind of like taking the world, you know, like doing what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like not letting anyone Our stop confidence. him from doing things. Yeah. I these mean, are Linnell uh, lyrics. Well, it kind of seems like this, this would be the worst version of that where you're kind of like, <laughs> yeah. or, or a kiss me son of God kind of thing mm-hmm. where you're just stepping on the necks of the people and you don't even notice that that's how I you're think getting this guy's famous. a good guy though. I, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's not the vibe I got, but... Well, so the reason it seemed like suffering to me is if you're saying you don't want anything, that doesn't seem like a good thing. I mean, I could be wrong. Well, there's nothing else for him to have. He has everything. But see, doesn't that seem like sad to you? <laughs> like... Let me think about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like if you don't, if you, if you don't um, yearn for something... Do you yearn? If you don't... Um, if there's nothing you want, for some reason, there's like a weird emptiness to that. But I don't, I agree with that. I don't think he or the narrator in this song realizes mm-hmm. that. Because saying, I can't tell things apart, I don't know where they start, <laughs> is also bad. That's yeah. like being like, I don't know. It's like he's not really look, uh, he's not really understanding the world around him. He's just so inner focused on his own. Well, it's that person that's just so separate from, uh, you know, the day to day needs and wants. And um, one line that always threw me is put down that surfboard. Yeah, I, I don't know what... <laughs> okay, so, I mean, this could be funny, but I mean, I tried Googling 
put down that surfboard to see if it was a really? something they took from something. And I found a few ads, not from the 80s, unfortunately, but I found like, there's an ad for a Beach Boys album or something, or a review that says, put down that surfboard. The Beach Boys long-awaited album is here. But then I saw there was like a salon or something. Oh, here we go. 10 best beauty salons. And it says, if your muscles are tired and your skin is aging a little too fast, that's pretty TMBG-ish in a theme, put down that surfboard and contact a beauty salon. <laughs> so put down the surfboard really brought up nothing uh, from that time, but I thought it was a funny phrase. Does that imply that he's, he's singing the song to a surf dude? <laughs> Or gal, a surfer gal. I mean, I think it's just an analog for uh, ignoring your responsibilities. Oh, okay. So, like, people say that the surf. We talked about surfing once in this show. Unless I <laughs> cut it out, I don't remember. <laughs> Did really? I? We we went on a long tangent about surfing once. But um, I was thinking about how much we cut out. Yeah. Just the other day, it's yeah. a whole other podcast. Exactly. You guys don't even fucking know. You don't even know the lines we've crossed the but, things we've seen but the um so you're i, I like that so i associate surfboard with like freedom and you know kind not of, having many uh responsibilities yeah if you can just like ride the waves all day yeah who are these people you're not really um <laughs> providing for your family no i'm sure many of fathers do surfing and it's not a bad thing dave i'm gonna take a hard stance against surfboarders yeah so please don't say all the things I know that you're about to say. Everything is everything is what you're just about to say. So this is a person who doesn't want the surfer dude. This is yeah. like such a they might be giants uh, kind of conversation uh, to have because it's like we're we're really trying to spell out exactly what's happening in this song, which they might they might be not really into. <laughs> uh, maybe they're like, we didn't mean for people to do this. This podcast was never meant to happen. So the, like he's saying, hey surfer dude go just go surf i don't want to hear you say that everything is everything so what why would everything is everything be something he doesn't want to hear there's the question because it diminishes the fact that he has everything (laughs) saying everything is everything is like a very buddhist like zen thing to say oh is it dismissive or is it like or is you're saying um, that it's um not dismissive it's just saying what he thought was oh material possessions right oh i get what you're saying accomplishments is actually false it's okay it's a falsehood Yes, everything is everything. And I keep saying he, I'm just assuming. That, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know the, the, what the uh, protagonist is. And then, so then we've got um, an instrumental break. And Dave, I wanted to know your opinion on this. I know what it's from. So, okay. So it's apparently this instrumental break is is from the sh- the song on Broadway. They say the neon lights are bright on Broadway. On Broadway. They say there's always magic in the air. On proud to say i did know by the time i heard that because somewhere i heard that so i I was aware of this song at the time i heard this and i was like ah that's that melody so here's here's the thing i'm not to be contrarian um do we know uh, i I never thought it was a reference and i'm willing to say it is and i'm willing to to act in this podcast like it is but um i never thought it was because in my mind it's like 
it's just a, a little part of the melody. And mm-hmm. I'm always kind of like, well, melodies are... You think are, it's a coincidence? Well, yeah, it was just like melodies are melodies and, and they kind of... Everything is everything. Everything, <laughs> exactly. And they, they kind of can be similar to something, but it's not... Because I've seen a few things, I've seen a few times where fans say, this melody is from this. And in some cases, I just go, oh, that's just sort of a similar melody. I'll give it this. It probably is a reference to On Broadway because I think it, it matches the lyrical content, yeah. which I wanted. I want to know if you have thoughts on that. But I, I just want to put out there, it might be possible that it's not a reference. Sure. <laughs> because it's just, it's just a little melodic tune that I can very much see Linnell playing with, uh, with his hands without it being a um, pre-planned melody. Well, I was going to say, I made a demo once like years and years ago that mm-hmm. I played for my then guitarist. And at the end, he informed me that it was um, the exact melody of uh, This Land is Made for You and Me. Mm. And I had no idea, like did not think of it once. And I mean, I just threw it out because I was like, oh my God, you're right. Wow. So it's possible. I mean, those things happen, but... I did that too with with a song that we're going to talk about in a future episode. So I'm saving it for... (laughs) I once wrote a They Might Be Giant song that existed and I couldn't believe I did it because I tried really hard to not do that kind of thing. I mean, I think that's a that might be a little bit more of a different thing because it's really hard to not have your influences come yeah. out but this seems like to- something totally so, separate so, from whatever yeah. their influences would be so just to get the the info on broadway by the drifters obviously covered by lots of different people and lots of context but um march 1963 so the the idea is that this melody which is the you know they say the neon lights to break on broadway yeah yeah the lyrics are about someone who's like dreaming of being a, some Broadway star, right? So do you think there's a connection in, in the lyrics about a guy who has everything, and then there's a song about, I'm not going to quit until I'm a star on Broadway. So is this almost like a sequel to that? It's like he did it? I think it fits thematically. You know, it also reminds me of the Elvis's Guitar Man lyrics, because mm-hmm. it's, it's Elvis's Guitar Man, which we talked about in episode two, is wow. another song about a guy going like, I got my guitar, and I'm just going to do my thing, and be, you know, I'm going to... Yeah play my guitar and everyone will like it. And this guy is saying the same thing in this song. He's saying, I can play this here guitar and I won't quit till I'm a star on Broadway, which again, this was Flansburg-y thing. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so weird to me. This is a Linnell song, but you know, they were hanging out together a lot at this point. So I'm sure stuff rubs off. Maybe the song's about Flansburg. Maybe it is. So the only other lyrics really left, well, there's, there's one very odd one that, that I don't understand, but then there's, there was a program Sort of an in- yeah. <laughs> inquiry. There was a program, sort of an inquiry into what would be just the thing for me. If it came to be, I would have to wait and see. And I don't want anything. I don't want anything. Now that I have. If it came to be, I would have to. We watched Superman from the 70s last night. Have mm-hmm. you seen that movie in a while? Not in a while, no. So I, it was no, Richard I lo- Donner's. Yeah, yeah, so I loved it, I, and it was my girlfriend's first time, and she loved it, uh, oh, which she was never exciting. Saw Superman. Yeah, she never saw it, um, though she knew the ending. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I'm not a fan. But just of the just to, to, to uh, the reason I'm bringing it up is when 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 Superman brings Lois flying, mm-hmm. she has this weird poem that she says in her head, mm-hmm. like a voiceover, where she's like, "Do you know what's in my mind?" And it rhymes. <laughs> 
apparently it was supposed to be a song, like an Aladdin moment of like a whole new world moment, but she's like, nope. <laughs> or, or I think the director was like, this doesn't work. But what they did as a weird compromise is she just says it. And it's, it's very odd. It's kind of a strange I moment. I remember that. And honestly, it kind of adds to the magic of it because it throws you a little. It's like strange and kind of, it is kind of romantic and, and weird. But I, I felt the same way just now reading the lyrics <laughs> to Dave. <laughs> There's this program, and if it came to be, I would have to wait and see. I'm not sure what this is about. Search me. The only thing I can surmise is that this program or inquiry, whatever it is, is how he... How he got... How the protagonist got to have these riches or this status. And it seems like it was perhaps uh, some kind of insidious in nature. There is a, a a slightly weird feel there to say there was sort of an inquiry. Again, it's that weird, hey, Mr. DJ thing about the the bureaucratic stuff and the numbers on the graph moving. So it's like... Is this like a sellout song is what I wonder. Is it a song about what if they might be giants sold out in the same vein as Hey Mr. DJ? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You ever think of it like that, you little scamp? I did not, buddy. <laughs> um, so it might be. I feel like there's not enough concrete stuff in the lyrics to really say yes or no about that. But I just kind of see it as like some government funded like <laughs> super soldier kind of program. <laughs> or it's that. Yeah. Where he's just like, we'll give you everything. Sign on the dotted line. And I have to say, I really love the line, now there's everything, don't remind me of yesterday. Yeah, that that to me is where the negativity and like the, yeah, the suffering, because mm-hmm. it's he's like there's something eating at him. Saying "Don't remind me of something" is is always bad. It's bad on a lot of levels because it's bad in the sense that there's something wrong and you're afraid to face it. And then, well, I'll you grant know. you, yeah, right at the end they sneak in a little humanity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't remind me of yesterday, and that that's just a great line on its own. Um, it's sad, and then one the the last weird lyric is. Babool, yeah, Babool. I'm pretty sure there's an L at the end. Pretty sure it's Babool because, and here's how I know: the dial a song version of this song is almost identical, except that Linnell yeah. singing Babool, Babool goes on a long time, and then it's the only thing you hear, and it's really loud. And Dave, I'll play it for you, okay? Because uh, you should hear this. Government mandated. Yeah, you could hear the L. Interesting, right? It's pretty weird. For for an obscure song, it's I always think it's cool to have multiple versions of an obscure song. <laughs> Babool, Dave, oh my god, I spent hours trying to find what Babool could be. All I could find is there's a tree called Babool that they use like healing stuff from. It's they make toothpaste out of it. Um, I think it's like in India and stuff, like other countries mostly. But it's called Babool, B-A-B-U-L. But then there's other spellings too that come up. All the stuff comes up is there's a tree. It's the Vachelia Nelotica. (laughs) That's a spicy tree. 
and people make powder from it. It cures diseases. Well, this tree sounds awesome. How could that possibly have anything to do with this song? Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> it probably doesn't, but what the hell? Why Babool? Like, I, I truly want to know. You know, this is like one of those things, if I had like a few questions to ask them, <laughs> I, I mean, they Keep probably... Track. Yeah. They, they probably don't like answering... Well, we know they don't like answering questions. What does that lyric mean? But do you think they have an exception for... Babool. <laughs> what does that word come I from? I couldn't speak for them. I, I will say, though, that I didn't actually realize that's what he was saying until yeah. we started doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was more, you know, scatting. like Scatting. Uh, it, it might be. In, in the vein of, uh, you know, the end of Anna Ing. Or, See, that's funny because I, I would normally think that, but the, the L is so pronounced that it, it's like a yeah. word. He's really saying it like it's a, it's a real word. I just assumed, you know, hearing it so many times that it was a, a melody just for mm-hmm. an outro. So anyone out there, why don't you email us? At, this is a good time to mention our email. Yeah. Don't let start podcast at gmail.com. We answer emails on the show. We yes. re- answer them in uh, private. Privately, <laughs> we send you some just winked at me dirty pictures <laughs> if you want them. But uh, we not of us. No, no, not of us. Of uh, other people. Of my dog. She's in the mud. And she's dirty. Yeah. But yeah, Babool Tree cleans your teeth. I mean, the only thing that I can think of uh, for the song, if Babool is so good for cleaning your teeth, and this guy's looking in the mirror, and mm-hmm. he's he's got a big uh, asshole smile <laughs> and stuff, maybe this yeah. fits. Okay. But email us at don'tletstartpodcast at gmail.com. Do you have a, a Babool theory? And go through all the other past episodes, all the other times we asked you guys to email us about specific questions. And Dave, I will show you one last Babool theory I have, and I might Woo! I might cut this out because it's very visual. I found this YouTube video <laughs> of a man named Babool Babool. It has eight view, uh, no views. <laughs> oh, that's it's sad. from June. Yeah, that is sad. It's from June 2017. There's no way. Do you think this is the Babool in the song? No. Maybe this is their one of their old managers or <laughs> something. Um, I might post it to the Twitter. <laughs> I do love how the end, how the voices get more grotesque and yeah, which is funny because if if this was track one on a demo and they were trying to show how accessible they are, right. and then the <laughs> next track was a grotesque song, you've got that transition. <laughs> nice it goes from very kind of really nice singing to yeah, it goes yeah. crazy at the end. I would love if they played this live or something someday. It seems simple enough. Like, I don't know. Mm. It would be cool. Actually, I would love Marty Beller to do that drum beat. That'd be really <laughs> funny. Do you think that grotesque singing is another clue that the character isn't happy? Yeah, I do. The end there? That's a, a affirmative. All right. <laughs> no, it, yeah, because it, it does express something. It's I don't think it's just for no reason um, right. or to be funny. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because we watched this old footage of um, them playing Everything Right is Wrong again from the 80s the part that actually really jumped out at me was the bridge so when it's the bridge oh, yeah, yeah, goes half speed yeah. and they go everything right they make these weird faces mm-hmm, flansburg yeah, does yeah. what can only be called like a nixony face mm-hmm. and he ma- he gets really jowly and kind of is going like every move man falls and they're go- both like going like you know every five and and on the album it's not like that but it is. It does seem like a thing that they do, where it's like this part of the song is going to be like some weird Nixony guy mm-hmm. <laughs> singing it, and that that really stuck out at me as as fascinating because that it actually changed the song to me a little bit.
Okay, so moving on to the next track. What do we got? This is so. I just want to say about this episode. This this is a, going to be very top heavy because there's the first several tracks are very dense with yeah. references and things and a lot to talk about, and then the the last bunch not as much. So just so you're aware of, of how this episode is going to go. So yeah, this episode it will have kind of that structure to it. Okay, because so, they put like the most. I I feel they put the most interesting bonus tracks first. And then right? kind of lost theme. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> All right. So so don't the, judge us. The next song is yeah, it's their fault. No. So the next song is Mainstream USA. Kids are rolled somewhere this morning. Was a man with a book beside me. And he tapped out rhythms with a smile on his face. And the tip of his fingers that he found on the floor. And these are the words that he told the fellow next door. Mainstream USA I flipped that guy the bird Mainstream USA That's all I want to say Mainstream USA What do you think? <laughs> Mainstream USA so this was a song that was on Dial-A-Song all the time. It was heard by fans for a while, never in such a good quality, which again, these bonus tracks sound amazing. They sound great. So this this was not like some big new revelation, mm. but it, it was interesting. And there is actually a difference in the Dial-A-Song version. And I don't think we're going to do a wrap down of these bonus tracks. So I'll just like n- point out any differences. Uh, but the Dial-A-Song version repeats uh, a part of it at the very end and I'll, pl- I'll play the clip of that for interest sake Dream USA it's all I wanna say as I rolled the subway this morning there was a man with a book beside me and he tapped out rhythms with a smile on his face and the tip of his finger that he found on the floor and these are the words that he told the fellow next door so this song, Mainstream yeah. USA, uh, like the other songs, this is full of, of references, but it's also full mm-hmm. of, of mystery. I agree. Yeah. What are the references? Okay, so here's the thing. I, I, uh, there are very specific lyrical references in, mm-hmm. in the song, in the second part of the song, but the first part, so Flansburg in the background is going, can I have this last dance, my darling? Yeah, in a weird, can disturbing I, voice. <laughs> can I have this last dance with you? As far as I can tell, it's not a reference to anything because I tried yeah. fi- I tried finding it for a while, but doesn't it sound like it is, right? It kind of sounds like it's a reference because especially because the the vocals later on reference song, the only thing I could possibly think of is there's another song by The Drifters who did on Broadway mm-hmm. um, called Save the Last Dance for Me. Mm-hmm. You can dance every dance with the guy who gives you the eye let him hold you tight. You can smile Every smile for the man who held your hand neath the pale moonlight. But don't forget who's taking you home and in whose arms you're gonna be. So, darling, say the last dance for me. Mm. I mean, isn't that just a saying? It, it Isn't is. Isn't that just a co- colloquialism? Well, that's why sometimes they might have Giants references are hard to tell yeah. um, if it's just a saying or if it's really a specific song. But it is the Drifters, and he says, Darlin' save the last dance for me. Mm-hmm. And this is like, can I have the last dance, my darling? 
it's pretty similar. It's similar enough that I'm going to play a clip and you guys can decide for yourself. Maybe this is a clip without a home because it's not really a reference, but hmm. it might be. So, so I, I wonder, I always wonder what was going on there. The, the other idea there. So the song is called mainstream USA. Yeah. It's arguably their least mainstream song that <laughs> they've ever made. <laughs> sure. You think it's in the top five, I'd say. What what do you think would be other ones in that Ooh, top five, Dave? Like non-mainstream songs? Yeah. I mean, most of them are on the first album. Yeah. You know, a chess piece face. What's one, what's a recent one? A recent one that, yeah. is, that is strange. <laughs> a whole lot of glean? I don't know. <laughs> a whole lot of glean. There you go. <laughs> I'd say maybe maybe Dog Walker. I don't know. <laughs> um, underrated song. I'm going to put that out there right now. Preview of our that episode. but Or even Dog Dog, dogs are pretty strange. Oh yeah, song. dog is a yeah. So so mainstream USA. The only thing I can think for this is, can I have this last dance, my darling? Is is maybe um? Do you think this is the song that the guy on the subway is tapping <laughs> to? Is that too weird a thing to try to speculate? So he says, as I rode the subway this morning, there was a man with a book beside me. Now this all makes, this is pretty clear. This happens. I'm on board. This guy's, we're, we're from New York. We could tell you this happens. You got nerds reading books. Yeah, on the subway. I remember Dave's wife once told me, I was telling her to read Sandman. And she's like, <laughs> I can't read comics on the subway because people start talking, guys start talking yeah. to me. And I was like, damn it. She even went so far as she was reading Game of Thrones mm. with headphones on. Just to sh- be like, don't talk to me. And this yeah. Yeah, but, well, the guy kept, like, tapping her or something, like, take your headphones off so we could talk about it. Uh, yeah, and I, she was very uncomfortable and, I think, changed cars. You know, it's funny, when I'm reading a comic on the subway, no, no one talks to me. No, no cute girls It's come almost up to like you. there's a weird difference in yeah. how people act. Um, but so he says, there's a man with a book beside me, and he tapped out rhythms with a smile on his face. So I imagine that this man is either has a song in his head, mm-hmm. or he's listening to headphones. Or is that Morse code? <laughs> Dave took a hard, hard turn. He's doing the pencil rain yeah, Morse code. He's, that's what I think. So the only thing I think of is, can I have this last dance? My my darling is like some sort of pop song mm-hmm. that maybe this guy's hearing. Tapping out. And but, then... Yeah, he's speaking of tapping out. Uh, that, that's all I got. <laughs> that, that's what I did. <laughs> and the tip of his. So this part really confuses me, Dave. The tell t- me the tip of his what. <laughs> And the tip of his finger mm-hmm. that he found on the floor. And these are the words that he told the fellow next door. This is, I mean, it feels, maybe stream of consciousness isn't giving it enough uh, credit, um, but I, I find it hard, I find it hard to follow. You don't say. He found, what do you think? I, the tip of his finger that he found on the floor. And the tip of his finger that he found on the floor. This is like a like a Zen phrase, so like a mantra. Because you can't, right, you can't say that it's a separate finger. Yeah. Because it's the tip of his finger. It's the tip of his finger. I can easily imagine him finding a finger you on think the his floor. Little, you think his finger fell off while he was tapping a pop song, and it's like Flansburg saying, this is like, fuck mainstream music. It's going to make you lose your <laughs> digits. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, the other weird so the <laughs> other weird thing, so he's saying mainstream USA, I flipped that guy the bird. So that's giving someone the middle finger. Right. Um and but so you've got this weird connection with the fingers in the lyrics. Right. So he's he's giving someone the middle finger and he's saying the tip of his finger was on the floor. So it's like is there a connection there? Uh, can anyone help <laughs> send call help. for help? <laughs> it's all I want to say. 
I think, I mean, I do think there's some self-parody here because obviously Flansburg and Linnell are very interested in writing fun, accessible pop songs. Well, I, what I was going to say, do you think it's mainstream USA in the current day or just like mainstream for all time? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I see this as a song about like people on the radio. So, okay, mm-hmm. well, we can, let's go to the next verse because then it references a few songs. Mainstream USA, it's all I want to say. He says, we are the world. There comes a time when we heed a certain call, when the world must come together as one. There are people dying, oh, when it's time to lend a hand to life. This song has actually a long history in They Might Be Giants. They've actually covered the song a few times at their live shows. And on Live New York, the Live in New York thing, the mm-hmm. band intros were Flansburg parodying We Are the World. There comes a time to introduce the band. Ladies and gentlemen, it's now my pleasure to introduce to you. So Flansburg seems to have like a, you, you know, a perverse uh, mm-hmm. interest in this song, which is for, you know, basically a cheesy... 80s big ballad song with all these peace out so it's you know the song is a charity song a bunch of different artists yeah that's a pretty saccharine uh transparent song yeah um i guess it depends how cynical you want to be i think flansburg is pretty cynical i want to be very cynical yeah i mean well so whether the the song is basically saying we're all the children of the world and we can all get together and jerk off motion save people's lives there's not really any solutions uh (laughs) brought forward and it just repeats this a thousand times that they are the world they're the children so Flansburg is basically flipping the bird, I think, to this song a little mm. bit uh, or a lot <laughs> in mainstream USA. And then he, he says, we are the, in one sentence, you've got two references. He says, we are the world. And in the backup Flansburg vocal is saying, back off Boogaloo, which is a Ringo Starr song okay, that, that I didn't know. George Harrison, I think, co-wrote. Back off Boogaloo. There's something going on here, which is that people are people say that "Back Off Boogaloo" is uh, one of a few angry songs at Paul McCartney. Okay, I guess he's the Boogaloo, and he's got to back off. <laughs> I guess um, I'm the Boogaloo. <laughs> that was a terrible impression, Dave. You could do a better one, right? I'm the Boogaloo. No, yeah, 
okay. And um, so well, he's like up, and then John Lennon is down. Oh, that's true. If John, <laughs> if John, Len- if John Lennon was the boogaloo, he'd be like, "I'm the boot." Oh fuck! <laughs> I'm the boogaloo. <laughs> that was bad. There's certain phrases you could say as John Lennon really well, and then there's that was others. More Michael Caine. Are- I'm the boogaloo. <laughs> that was like Michael Caine. You gotta, you gotta grit your teeth. Oh yeah, he's always. I'm the boogaloo. He's angry. No, that's bad. I'm the boogaloo. Okay, let's end it there. Wait, let's do it ten more times. So, so it's this angry song, "Back Off Boogaloo," and and it is a song I think that's like also like like mainstream USA. It's like this angry song about pop music, right? In the most general terms. Mm. <laughs> so I think that's an interesting reference, but I also don't know if if this is a a, a hateful reference. Like, is he saying this? Fuck this song. This song is stupid. Like, we yeah. are the world. I it's hate not, I hate these mainstream pop songs that I'm hearing. Sounded better than "We Are the World." <laughs> a little bit. You know, I thought, yeah, it's not a favorite song of mine. Um, I did listen to it a few times in the past week and it's just like, eh, all right. I've never heard any of Ringo Starr's <laughs> solo stuff. It's kind of what you'd probably think. The shabbiest Beatle? Kind of sounds like Buffalo Bill. <laughs> yeah, it does. This song has a lot of these references. That's why I thought the first verse might be a reference because it's like, mm. uh, but it, it might not be. <laughs> so I, I guess lyrically, it, it is a mystery of a song ex- except the general tone of it. I mean, he's it's what's direct about it is he's saying, I flipped that guy the bird. I, what I was trying to say before is that it does seem kind of self-parody because it's saying like, oh, people say we're not mainstream enough. Like, how about this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how about this song? Um, Dave, what do you think of the song musically? It's really weird. Well, that guitar in the beginning is really off-putting. And that's John Linnell on guitar. We should yeah, tell people. They mentioned, right. so the, then the earlier years notes. Sounds like a spider crawling across the guitar. <laughs> yeah, it does. They just, all they say is mainstream USA again underscores the unusual guitar stylings of Mr. Linnell. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I find his guitar playing pretty impressive. I mean, I like it. I don't really know what he's doing and I don't yeah. understand what he's doing. And it, it has a, has like a creepy feel to it. Just kind of taking a clawed hand to the guitar. But what I wonder, do you think that means that they wrote it together? Do you think Linnell came up with that part and then Flansburg's mm. like, oh, give that to me. I'll sing over it, which is, I think is awesome because I love the songs that they wrote together. Right. So few of them. Yeah. As far as as far as we know, yeah. or is it a song Linnell wrote in full and Flansburg sings? It, the lyrics feel like Flansburg to me, though. Yes, yeah, they feel got that Flansburg feel, soft to the touch. But you know the the chorus, I guess you could call it, is is pretty uh, straightforward, pretty pop rocking. It's well, that's what's funny about about John and John's songwriting. There's always a melody. There's always something catchy. To me, it sounds um, like tequila. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that might actually be a reference, and maybe we should play a clip of I didn't think about this. Maybe we should have a clip of tequila, notable for me as a kid in the Pee-wee's Big Pee-wee's Adventure. Big Adventure. <laughs> um, not to be a cliche nerd guy. I mean, that's probably the first time I heard it, too. think it's actually a reference i wonder because that's another of like weird mainstream song that well it's the pop culture blender thing so tequila is a song from 1958 and is written uh by daniel flores and recorded by the champs it's largely instrumental so i don't know this mainstream usa is is a really fascinating mishmash (laughs) of monster mash (laughs) of a bunch of ideas and references and songs and the the ultimate uh, feeling you get from it 
is they're like, we're going to do whatever we want. And we, we get why that's funny and we, but we also stand by it. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I back you up, Jordan. It's weird. It's, it's a, one of those random side songs, but because it was so prevalent on Dial a Song and then showed up here, it's always not felt like a side song to me. It, to, sure. I, it's always felt like one of their main songs. And I, I feel like there's more to, to learn about it in one day. Mainstream USA, it's all I want to say. Mainstream USA, I flip back on the bird. Mainstream USA. Well, again, just because that was grouped with those other songs, it always felt like a part of Lincoln or Mm -hmm. the first album. Yeah, yeah. I just assumed, it's funny, it's just the feel that that it gave me was those first two albums were just really long. (laughs) Yeah, oh my God. (laughs) And they just all went together as just sort of one big thing. Me and Dave are, are going to talk about something very special about about how those al- about how those albums came together uh, very soon in, in another episode. But you guys should be very excited because oh, it's something shit. really cool that nobody but us knows about uh, about about the band and about the songs. But anyway, that's just a weird tease, little tease, yeah, for our little fans. Next up, next up is is uh, this is an easy one. <laughs> Fake out in in Buenos Aires. That's a single. <laughs> I, I just wanted to say something really quick about this song. Please um, do. This is a little like self-gratifying. I wouldn't expect any less. Because I think some some people, maybe even fans of They Might Be Giants, I think they would hear the song and be like, how does something like this happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is this? What God would allow this to happen? <laughs> exactly. And then uh, this this song reminds me of something me and Dave used to do, which is we had a band sort of, we had a recording project called Proceed to Small Talk. Oh, this is self-gratifying. This is, but it's like all I can think of with When I hear this song, I think about me and you, Dave. And you and me. So just really, and I want to make this very quick. Please, very quick. (laughs) Proceed to Small Talk. Because I don't don't know how I feel about this still. (laughs) (laughs) Proceed to Small Talk is basically a name me and Dave gave to a bunch of weird songs. Yeah, Yeah, a bunch of weird like (laughs) recordings that me and him made. Uh, for for a period of time, and yeah. I think there's like two dozen or so, right? Maybe twenty. Yeah, I mean, some of them are twenty seconds long, but some are like three minute songs. Did this instead of dating, and a lot of them remind me of like Fake Out in Buenos Aires. Yeah, I could see that. What, what it kind of says to me, and I'm, I am bringing it back to the band, what what it says to me is like the way these things sometimes happen, and I don't know how they made this song, like who knows, but sometimes things just happen yeah. and you're not really in control of it. And sometimes, sometimes it's you're trying to make the other person laugh, which was a lot of what our thing was. Yeah. Sometimes 
there's the smallest little like you have oh it's a riff a guitar riff yeah exactly and then you you put it on a loop and you build on it and you come up and then you sometimes so when one of the ones we did we were like we needed like words (laughs) so we looked through like an old batman comic and we just like acted out like the dialogue right well i think a lot of it just came about you know, hanging out in a room and having a guitar and just strumming it. And it's like that movie Room. <laughs> Brie Larson should have had like a a buddy a to record. Yeah, they sh- her and the kid in the movie should have uh, recorded some weird songs. And it was just like, well, we're we have a couple things going on here. Why don't we just like press record and, and yeah? It, I don't think it was intentional. I don't think we we're like, hey, we're gonna like sit down and write some songs today. It was always just like out of. Uh, a weird, uh, not even a boredom. I'd say just a weird feeling in the air. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's a, exactly. So, um, so this song reminds me of that. Yeah. And and if you guys are interested in in me and Dave's stuff, You'll I don't never know. Hear they're it. not really online, but I, I have thought of uh, compiling it into an album one day. But one but day, maybe, maybe I'll throw something up. Remaster and yeah, I, I might know. throw something up on SoundCloud or something just for our Twitter. We'll have to talk about it off mic. Yeah. Sure. But this this really reminds me of that because it, it's that weird mix of like there is some like logical consistency to it. You can see like the pattern of what they're doing, which is this song they're replacing words with the word fake. Right? They're finishing phrases and uh, altering mostly its phrases uh, by putting the word fake to it. And that's what proceed to small talk was a lot of time, just like repeating <laughs> a weird phrase. Yes, over and over again. Yeah, yeah. So you know, there's a few things to talk about with this with this song. What was your thoughts on on this song as a, in general before I get into the 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 dense lyrical uh, exploration? Uh, I want to know why Buenos Aires. Yeah, yeah, this was something I wanted to know too. Um, so here's the the options: one, it's a non sequitur. Yeah. Two, it's a pro sequitur. <laughs> it's a it's I a sequitur. I guess. Well, I'm making that up, but I, the opposite of a non sequitur yeah. would be a, a sequitur, right? Um, you know, it's funny. Um, our our friend Nathan, uh, who I know listens to the show, what up? He had a theory that I thought was pretty interesting, and I only found it from googling this song. Weird. And yeah, I wasn't searching for his take, um, but he had a he mentioned in in an old uh, news group post. I was like looking through old posts to see if anyone had theories, and he had mentioned Jorge Luis Borges. It's a Buenos Aires person who yeah. well, he's famous for hoaxes and forgeries oh, so nathan cool. had some uh news group posts where he was like i think this song might be touching on jorge luis borges and by the way this is a guess they might not this might be like the don giovanni thing with statue got my me high where linnell's like i didn't know that's what i was doing yeah um so this could be a total guess but i just want to like give nathan props for hey, going this far because that's kind of cool i mean we got to fill time so so what, basically, really quick, he's like an, a short story writer, he's a poet, and he de- devoted a lot of his career to hoaxes, which is pretty funny. I always think that's funny when people do that. He was like an anti-fascism guy. That's good. Ooh, a, a section there says sexuality. Dave always goes, when he sees the <laughs> Wikipedia entry and there's the, the hyperlink or whatever to sexuality, he's like, click. So he would publish translations, but some of the translations were, were not real. They were like translations of things that didn't exist. So he was just like, wanted to watch the world burn. Exactly. Um, so he's a big faker and he's from Buenos Aires. So I think that could be worth looking into. I don't want to devote too much time uh, to it. I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Dave, I think we're done. Dave, Dave's out. The other thing to talk about is the various phrases in the song, and sure. and I, you know, I spent a while kind of looking through all the phrases, and I was curious if there was any 
weird origins. And you wanted me to make up what they are, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so fake out, fake in. So it's funny. It wasn't until really looking at the lyrics, I was like, oh, fake in is a parody of fake out. Because fake out is a, is a phrase. Yeah. You fake out like, oh, that's what a fake out. So fake in means the truth. So if you fake out something, but then you fake in something. Yeah. And then... Uh, so now everything after that is the truth. So fake it to me. Is a, is a play on socket to me. Yeah. And, and where'd that come from? Where that socket to me. Mussolini. I actually really did want to talk about socket to me because I don't know if this was any inspiration, but it's very Flansbergy. One of the most famous uses of socket to me was Nixon on laughing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Rowan and Martin's laughing. It was it was a phrase there, socket to me. And there was an episode that had Richard Nixon saying it, which was a crazy thing for a president or was he a nominee at the time? He was a nominee. NBC, beautiful downtown Burbank. Oh, hello, Governor Rockefeller. Oh, no. I don't think we could get Mr. Nixon to stand still for a socket to me. Socket to me? Socket to me? Yeah. Well, what a great line read. Yeah. He, Nixon clearly knows a lot about comedy and about the yeah. right words to emphasize <laughs> in a sentence. His timing yeah. is impeccable. He's the one. I actually, I just watched a the on Netflix the, uh, I guess, a retrospective about Rowan and Martin's laughing. You would watch that? Yeah. Just out of wow. curiosity. Yeah. And uh, they said... There's some theory that that actually won him the election. Yeah. His one, they said it boils down to those four words. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, it's like, oh, this is like my kind of guy. Like, he's on this show that I like. Note to self for when I run for president. Yeah. You say, gotta sock it to Say things. sock it to me. So I do think that it's possible could be Nixon yeah, on it. the brain. Um, yeah, dude, we're figuring the song out. We're nailing it. Um, <laughs> I, I do think the most, more than Buenos Aires, I think the weirdest line is fake TV. Because that's not really a pun unless we're not understanding the pun. And I honestly tried to look up stuff that it could be, and I didn't really find anything. Like, there is something called fake TV, which is really funny, uh, though it's not from the 80s. It's modern, but it's a yeah. fake TV light you put in your window to deter burglars. <laughs> sure, that works. <laughs> um, which I thought was interesting. because all these you, dumb burglars, You could just leave your way. real TV on. Yeah, you could do that. <laughs> or a light on. I, I used know. to have those things where you had like cardboard cutouts of people to think you had like a party all the time. Well, you know, what is fake is not what, a, what is fake is not a, that's a, that's a almost either. What is fake is almost such a literal thing for the song. <laughs> what is yeah. It is weird though to be like, this is what the song's about. What is fake? Yeah. Right? It's almost like seems out of character for them, for, especially for a song like this, which is even a few steps beyond a normal lyric for them in terms of like obscure and strange. Uh, so I, I wish I knew what fake TV was in reference to. I kept wondering, was there some eighties infomercial or some weird thing yeah. they're referring to, but no idea there land of a thousand fake outs, I thought was kind of a cool discovery. So, um, we all know like land of a thousand blank, right? Do you? <laughs> is it, I thought, wasn't that Land of a Thousand Lakes? Yeah, wow. I should have just, instead of hours of me researching, I should have just yeah. asked Dave. I got to bring Dave in on my plans more, I yeah. guess. Yeah, I know some things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Land of a Thousand Lakes, which is... That's in uh, Michigan, is it? <laughs> Finland. It's uh, Finland. Finland. So 
I thought that was so. A, in your defense, yeah, <laughs> I knew the phrase. I had no idea what what it was. Yeah, I didn't even know the phrase. I didn't yeah. know that was. And as far as I could tell, land that that seems to be one of the earliest, possibly earliest use of the of the phrase "land of a thousand, Right? Because that's been adopted. You know, now there's like "land of a thousand M and M's" in Times Square. Right. <laughs> um, but you, let, you all know that famous "land of a thousand M and M's" term. Yeah, but I I did think that it was a, a a neat thing that "land of a thousand lakes." It, it like almost rhymes with land fakes. of a thousand fakes and then they change it to fake outs. So that's cool too. We are racing through the song people. And then I, this might be my favorite line, fake worse <laughs> than death. Yeah. That's like a haunting multi-layered line, right? Yeah. Well, it's a uh, fate worse than death, right? I don't fate think we have to tell death. you guys, but in terms of what they might be giants turning into fake worse than death. It's, it's almost, it's weird. Cause we talked about now that I have everything possibly being a sellout, song right uh, a song about not, I, don't, I don't even remember a song about <laughs> selling out um we said mainstream usa is kind of a song about selling out and then we've got fake out in buenos aires which to me like saying fake worse than death like to they might be giants i think to fake anything about themselves sure would be like worse like they would easily risk career suicide i feel at least for most of their career there might be a few moments <laughs> we could talk about in the Ooh. future but i think for most of their career they they have this in- integrity right and they they would rather not be a band at all than be a popular band due to them doing sure. something they don't believe in right. even if that's something you know is very profitable or you know they i think they mentioned they've turned stuff down you know i think we've we've heard about that i mean if it's that hollow what is it worth you know yeah, why? I mean, it's like, it's sort of like, you know, David Lynch talked about, I read David Lynch's autobiography and he talked about doing Dune and how he didn't have final cut. And he just said, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, yeah. but his implication is he'd rather never make a movie again than never have final well, cut. it takes the, so long to do these things and it's yeah. so difficult. I mean, at least in my estimation, it's like, I don't want to spend two years doing something I don't believe in. One day I'm going to have final cut on this show. <laughs> we got our sponsors uh, edit every episode. We're um, behooven to the flashlight. So then we've got Fake Out, Fake In, Faker's Delight, which is a <laughs> play on Baker's Delight. Ah, is that a term? Baker's ba- Delight? So Baker's Delight is just a, a company that was f- formed in 1980. So this is a little more of a modern, re- we're not in the 1700s yeah, yeah. here. This is a modern reference. Uh, Baker's Delight is a franchise from Australia, and it's y- yummy treats. And uh, um, I think fair enough. Yeah, there's not much there for me to, to analyze, but I do like Faker's Delight. I think that's you think funny. They were starting to run out of uh, puns, or no, no. I think they're just getting started. Oh, okay, yes. Well, it's funny because Baker's Del- saying Faker's Delight as a thing, making fun of this like company and say, Faker's Delight. You imagine some like weirdo like being <laughs> like, ah, yes, <laughs> you know, and then sure. Fake Your Claim is a reference to Stake Your Claim. Some of these might be obvious to people, but just for no, I know, clarity's but- sake. 
Yeah. So stake your claim. Do you know where that comes from? It's funny. I, I mentioned this to my girlfriend. She's like, yeah, obviously. And the, I was like, the whoa. Gold, the gold rush? Yeah. I never thought of that. I don't know. Well, well, I wasn't, I wasn't there. <laughs> Everyone was so... Well, why don't you think a little dummy? So yeah, staking your claim yeah. means staking, like, you know... Like, don't steal this gold deposit that I found. Yeah. So... Yeah. We did it. But then again, like, fake your claim is like an interesting phrase to think about. Yeah. You know, all these... What I like about this song is perfectly, uh, they might be giants ish song in terms of the idea that the lyrics have one meaning and then you could like you could enjoy the play on words but then you go beyond the play on words to like well what does this new phrase mean and i think that's kind of cool you think that's like fake it till you make it yes exactly i think a lot of this is kind of like that well fake it till you make it is like a positive thing because it's actually like good like you know you can get confidence and you could you think this is more nefarious yeah exactly i don't get like a happy feeling fake around the clock uh we can play a little clip here because fake around the clock is a reference to rock around the clock and rock around the clock is a song you know it's funny so dave sing rock around the clock we're gonna rock around the clock tonight we're gonna rock 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 till broad daylight we're gonna rock do do and so forth okay What's weird is, so that's the famous version. Yeah. Those uh, are one that's like creepy and slow. Well, there's, so that that's like the white version, but the original, Whoa! the original song. Ladies and gentlemen. By people who were not white is like a blues song and it was totally different. I believe so, that. So it's, I think it's the origin. Well, we stole everything. <laughs> the origin so. of the phrase rock around the clock yeah. is from this other song that sounds nothing like the famous rock around the clock. I mean, but thing is the, the, um, the rock and roll, uh, version that you just sang, it is an original sang song. Great. Yeah. Um, it is, it is almost more original. Like, so the phrase is taken from this blues song, but yeah. then that song is totally original and cause they're both totally separate songs. So I'll play a little of the original Rock Around the Clock, which was uh, from 1952. Rock it to me. All I want tonight is a chance to hold you tight and rock, rock around the clock. Well, with your mellow charms wrapped up in my arms, we'll rock, rock around the clock. Yes, we'll They sound like they're having a great time. Oh, man, this is a better version. Yeah, yeah, actually, I like that version, too. I mean, look, I like both. And it is fun. Yeah, it was weird how the second version that got famous, it's a totally different song. It's different music. One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. Nine, ten, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, rock. We're going to rock around the clock tonight. But it's that right song. That one's a piece of shit. <laughs> so, so that's what Rock Around the Clock is referencing, and Fake Around the Clock is, again, let's say if this song does have some sort of a story or narrator, like this guy's a real, this guy's a real f- faking, fakey magoo. <laughs> and then, actually, uh, maybe on par with Fake Worse Than Death, I love Winner Fake All, because that's like, that has a real ominous tone to it, right? So that that's obviously a reference to winner take all. Yeah. And I tried looking up stuff like that. There's really not a lot known about where it might have originated. There's a really old movie called Winner Take All. That's like a just seems like a gambling thing to me. Yeah, it's probably started there. I mean, most, like, most winner, the winner takes all. Yeah, I was trying to see if there was some 
you know, when did it go into pop culture as like a phrase people know um, rather did, than just when did it enter the gambling ether. addicts? <laughs> yeah. Ether. And then three fakes, you're out, which is like Linnell's. I was like, is that a threat? Mother, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> I'm taking it as a threat. Yeah. And then in Buenos Aires. So I think this is a great song. And I also find it interesting. They said, you know, they had like forgotten it existed, you know? (laughs) So in the liner notes, it says it was written in a heartbeat, but we hope it will endure for generations to come, (laughs) which is pretty hilarious. (laughs) Um, Though it's funny because when I was such an obsessive fan of They Might Be Giants that they could basically do no wrong. I didn't see that as a funny sentence. I was like, yeah, it will. It will. (laughs) I mean, look, I like this song, but... I think it's just because it's so connected to these this double album. I, mm-hmm. I just have such a warm spot in my heart for this whole uh, this this whole Megillah. Yeah, <laughs> that's like the deep dive into the lyrics. But just I guess to finish up about the music, I, I find like yeah, what do you make of that? The mu- musicality of it is uh, <laughs> is quite weird. The guitar playing. I used to wonder if this was another Linnell guitar song because yeah. it sounds like his weird style. But I couldn't uh, confirm that anywhere. So I guess it's just not. It does sound like someone improvised the guitar part and then, you know, kind of like what I said, how we would make these proceed to small talk yeah, songs. Yeah, I, I can hear that. That starts with a small idea and then you kind of build on it. And then after a few days, you don't remember what the notes were. You yeah, don't remember yeah, the yeah. chords. We couldn't really say the chords for the Which, stuff Which, by the did. way, I don't think we are ever trying to be They Might Be Giants in doing that. Oh, I was going to say that earlier. Yeah, we never, me and Dave never sat down. Which is crazy because clearly. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's funny. Yeah, we never sat down and said like, oh, let's be like the weird They Might Be Giants songs. I think we just. This was just like, from us sitting in yeah. my room and just joking around. I think we were just like, let's just be the weirdest thing, <laughs> period. I just have fun being in that weird headspace. Exactly. So yeah, I, I find the song enjoyable. It's obviously not like a, a hit song, <laughs> but I, it, I still think it's a special. It has another Flans laugh. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> We've got, so what are we up to now? Like We're seven? Laugh count. Uh, it's, you know, scary. The laugh-o-meter. I love those backing vocals mm-hmm. that sound very like <laughs> old timey. That they're wailing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're like going, whoa. Okay, so Dave, we got feedback. People like when we analyze the harmonies. A couple people said yeah, it. Yeah. So you, you freaks. <laughs> so one of one of them is going, oh. Yeah. The one's going, oh. oh. No, no. That you, you just did what I did, but, it, but in a sillier voice. So listen. listen yeah, listen. exactly. Yeah, this song really does toe the line between like creepy and funny. Because this is. <laughs> I think it's just creepy. It doesn't quite <laughs> feel like a serious statement. But at the same time, it's the music is very dark and the the reverb on the vocals, it makes the whole song feel like there's this atmosphere to it, you know, that most of their songs don't have that kind of reverb. I always take note of that because, you know, they might be Giants vocals are usually pretty upfront. Who do you think did that kind of crazy uh, riff at the end? I think that's Flansberg, right? Oh, yeah. Is that even a real guitar or is that like a synth? I don't know what that is. Well, I actually always wondered what that was because it sounds kind of like a guitar, but like a fake guitar, but it might be real. Though it's funny that we're wondering if it's fake in the Uh, song Fake Out in Buenos Aires. Well, I think that's a good way to end this. Exactly. Uh, So the next track on Then the Earlier Years Is? is Greek number three. Oh, boy. 
Ovdje jutra gdje eho, oke, tri to moleš Idem ksero publika, to so manjake, to si estetiki To raperi plano mestom, cafotis, muzikis Ja ta dio tragulja, ke to tri to moleš Greek number three, one of Dave's favorite songs. Uh, what do you think, Dave? Greek I mean, number look, it's, three. It's impressive. Number too. three in motherfucking Greek. <laughs> Can you top that? It's impressive to sing in another language. I'll give him that. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, when Bad Religion did a punk rock Greek song number three. in, in uh, German. Oh, really? Yeah, because they're apparently very big in Germany. Ah. I don't know if they might be giants or big in Greece. Yeah, I don't know. I have a few points about this song, uh, but we're not going to linger on it too much because everyone can see that it's number three, but in Greek. One, because of my obsession as a fan uh, years back, I feel like I memorized the song phonetically. Good God. Because I could could sing along like... How far can you go? How low can you go? Because that does happen when you're like a fan. Like there's like, you know, like I'm a big fan of April March and she does a lot of songs in in French and I could almost sing them, you know? I mean, obviously I get a lot of... Definitely French. Thanks, Dave. I get a lot of the consonants Do you know what I'm doing? No, what are you doing? From good fellows. Anyway. <laughs> okay. There's one thing I want to say, which is, you know, I listened back to our one of our first episodes when we were doing over the first album, and we we really breezed right past number three. We did. And I thought this would just be a little opportunity to just talk about number three a little bit and just play like this cool clip I found and blah blah blah. So we got stuck in Lincoln and now we're gonna go back. Well further. we didn't we didn't talk about number three. It's insane if that's, you listen. That's not my recollection. It's very out of character for me. We talked about the where the music came from. We did. We did do that, but we didn't talk about the lyrics at all. All right, well uh fake it to me. <laughs> so the only thing I really wanted to say at this time, and this is po- possibly because I found a cool clip but uh, I found this thing of Flansburg explaining why he said, I went to the president, I asked old what's his name, mm-hmm. and I will play that clip now. It's from a live concert from the 90s. Let's listen. The reason uh, we put in the, uh, went to the president and asked old what's his name, so when we did shows like this, it wouldn't seem so completely dated. By <laughs> actually having like a topical, you know, ask Reagan. <laughs> Now, we're, we're thinking long-term when we write those songs. Because it was, uh, it was Warren Harding when we, when we actually... <laughs> or maybe it, it would have been better to just leave it Reagan. Leave, leave it Reagan. <laughs> so I went funny. to the president, and I asked old Ronald Reagan. It yeah. doesn't fit the iambic pentameter, though. And no. they are very picky about that. So more about uh, Greek number three. One, I do think it's kind of cool. What we're getting is Linnell singing a Flansburg song. Right. How cool is that? Right. I think that's neat. I don't know. It's like they should do more if that's what that leads to. There is a couple times in concert where they've sung each other's song, but it's so rare. Dave, it's so rare. Like what, for example? I listened to this one bootleg. For some reason, Flansburg sings older. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I think I like ran into the other room and was like, <laughs> I just went to my girlfriend, Kristen, Flansburg Wake sings up. older. <laughs> Two things I want to hit. Uh, one is I, I was looking on the old news group to see what people had to say about this song. And there was a post from someone that I thought was really funny. So this, this post. Greek Johnny. <laughs> yeah. Um, this post is from February 28th, 1997. And I'm just going to read it to you now. 
And what voice should I use for this, Dave? Normal. Okay. I had no <laughs> idea. I had no idea that Linnell had a Greek background. I just listened to Greek number three, and being 100% Greek myself, you can imagine how I felt. I think he felt good turned on. <laughs> I mean, a TMBG song in my native language. Now, the accent is not that bad. The lyrics, though, are very effectively translated. That is, whoever translated it to Greek must have been a fluent speaker with a full knowledge of expressions, idioms, etc., yeah, yeah. which is interesting. I am interested in how idioms translate from uh, language to language. So some of them are fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. And it's really interesting to hear other countries' idioms where you're just like, the fuck does that mean? Well, the fish gets yeah. the, the chips. <laughs> like, well, yes, they do, sir. Uh, the, fish, Sorry. the fish owns a gun, as they say. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, you could fill in whatever country that was. So continuing this, this news group post, and I think this is perfect for They Might Be Giants and very, it was funny. So this person says, it was very funny, actually, translating a silver guitar. They didn't use the Greek word for guitar, but baglama, which is a yeah, very yeah. small kind of bazooki, the most popular Greek string instrument and used only in Greek folk songs. Is that the one that's like triangle shaped? I think I've seen. No, seriously, I'm not trying to mm, derail. I don't know what a, what a baglama we, looks like. Can we Google that? Yeah, let's Google baglama. Because they have like a higher uh, pitch, I think. Oh, my baglama porn site came up. Um, um yeah, sort of. Yeah, oh, that's it's exactly. Sort of, it's like a. It's like kind of a soft triangle. <laughs> what? It looks like a teardrop. It's teardrop shaped. It looks like a uh, an oar. It does look like an oar. <laughs> you think that's how it was invented? They're like sailing the river. They're just like we're and bored. They're like bored, and they're <laughs> like, oh, look, on this thing. let's stretch out some fish guts. Yeah, <laughs> and put it on the guitar. And that's where the idiom comes from. Well, and you know what they go. say. <laughs> Man. The fish has a gun. Me and Dave should have our own uni- university. <laughs> yeah, we should have a podcast. But uh, let me continue this news group post. Sorry, this I'm, is, I'm th- really interrupting you. I think you knew about the Baglama part, as many fans do, but this is the yeah. part that really surprised me and I thought was perfect. So this person continues, what was really weird, instead of inspiration, so they say, don't know where I got the inspiration or how I wrote the words, right? Mm-hmm. So this person says, instead of inspiration, they use the word for dead body. <laughs> <laughs> and instead of president, uh, Priavlos, which in Greek means rocket. So I don't know where I got the dead body or how I wrote the words. That's really funny. Do you think that was intentional, like them Linnell <laughs> being funny? Or do you think it was like a weird accident? I, I don't know how that could be an accident. And then they said I could I read. guess stranger things have happened. Okay, so, so Dave, I wanted to look at the translation of Greek Whoa. number three to English, okay? Well, let's try to sing the... I, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I really want Dave to sing with me. Do you see it? Can you see it clearly? I can see it, but I am. Uh, but I confused. don't believe it. <laughs> I just have two, <laughs> two songs, songs in me. and a third one, one when it comes out. <laughs> I don't I know where do I found the dead body. Since then, it was there. Now I'm wandering around music's grave. Okay, and then he goes. A rich guy told me bring a chicken and juice. A poor guy told me that he can't tell. Now I'm waiting, waiting like, like a, a chicken, chicken for, for God, God on, on Earth. <laughs> for God on Earth. Uh, so. so this translation is... This is a literal translation of the Greek words. This is pretty great. Um, I went to the White House and asked the rocket if he ever had a <laughs> complex or something of the sort, but he, he started, started babbling, babbling like, like he was, was on TV. TV. I don't, don't have, have just, just two, two songs. songs. What do you want from me? Fair point. Fair question. 
I bought some new tight blue jeans and yeah. a baglama, and I told the ladies to be nice to me so that I won't feel guilty for not going far. Oh, uh, the story is. of my life. For the two songs and the third one when it comes out. See, it doesn't match the rhyme uh, meter, so no. it's kind of hard to know where you are in the song. I really love, um, I love the chicken and juice line, bring a chicken and juice. Yeah. I'm um, always asking for that myself. And then the, the last big point about this song, Greek number three. Can it get any bigger, folks? That I saved the best for last, actually. So something that I heard it's many, not greek at all it's, so when when listening to a lot of bootlegs they had this different backing music for mm. number three when they would do it live the normal english version live right for a lot of the shows it's the backing track you hear on the first album but for a lot of shows it's this very circusy fun it's a little faster a little bouncier and it's got this great crazy keyboard riff in it and i have to say I love this version way more than the album version. Hmm. So I'm going to play a clip of that. There's only two songs in me, and I just wrote the third. Don't know where I got the inspiration or how I wrote the words. Spent my whole life just digging up my music shallow grave for the two songs in me, and the third one I just made. So there's that version. Yeah, wow. And I was always, I always wondered what's the deal with that version. Um, I've never heard that, by the way. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard that. That's crazy. I would have remembered that. So the first time, I'll tell a little story. The first time I heard that was one of my first um, They Might Be Giant shows, which was in... And they uh, actually used that back in Yeah, so it was then the earlier years show at Irving Plaza, 1997. And it was such a great show that fans made this amazing bootleg called Then and Now, where it was like a few nights of that. Those They did three weeks in a row. And they played all the old songs. They played, you know, songs from Long Tall Weekend that were coming out. Like, it was a really exciting time. That was the first time that me and a lot of people heard that version of number three. And I remember this like pure joy. Like mm-hmm. I, was, I was in the front row, right? Um, I remember waiting there for hours. And I was in the front row. And I was like, oh my God, this... This is like the best version of the song. And what the visual element is that because that's this like backing track keyboard riff, they're not doing anything during it. So right. it's like, was really funny because that riff would play and they would just sort of stand there <laughs> and Linnell would just be holding his accordion and not moving it. So it was very surreal and funny. The reason I'm playing it now uh, is because that was supposed to be the backing music for Greek number three. Here's another song off the same record. It's actually, I think it's the next song on the same record. And um, slightly different style. This was, we have this uh, Venn compilation record that just came out, which features, which is a bunch of uh, uh, songs at the end of it, um, including a, a Greek prototype translation of the song number three. This, this next uh, track is the, the music that was supposed to go to that. But, so this is like the other half that we left out because we never finished it. Because we have emotional problems. And uh, the song is uh, the, the Greek version of number three. <laughs> uh, that certainly is a lively version of that backing track. Though I do miss the the 
walrus playing the tuba. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think I like it more than the, the album version. I think there's something there's something like extremely exuberant and, and happy about it. And I, I think it's interesting that they hadn't finished it. Like, so I have bootlegs from the eighties where they have this backing track. So they clearly finished it to some extent. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Maybe they didn't mix it well with the, the Greek vocals. It's too bad because, you know, if, if for, for someone might want to like complain about the then bonus tracks, not being uh, as int- maybe some of them aren't like, I wouldn't mind if Greek number three wasn't on here, mm. I have to say, but if, if it, it had, if it had yeah. that, I'd be like, Oh, this is like another song. A new song. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But let's move on to the Anna Ing. <laughs> the next song is Hope That I Get Old Before I Die, original version. Boom. Sometimes I feel like being wispy. And once in a while I feel like being dry. But we're doomed and we're drowned by the feeling we surround. So I hope that I get old before I die. Oh, it's a long, long rope they used to hang you soon. I hope and I wonder why this hasn't happened. So we've got the tired old man version <laughs> of Hope That I Get Old Before I Die. Yeah, we've got the tired old man Dave to talk about. It. Yeah, perfect. Um, I'll just say that I vastly prefer the album version. Yeah, yeah. Way more entertaining. Sure. Um, no I, court in the world would convict you of... <laughs> yeah. Maybe funny court. <laughs> yeah, Dave, any... any what, <laughs> this seems like a song you skip or something, right? Am I yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, look, it's interesting to get kind of the, the skeleton of a song and, and see how the process goes. But mm-hmm. it's kind of like what you were saying. You, you just, you want something. We know there's other demos. We know there's tons of unreleased songs from the 80s. We know there's tons of unreleased songs from like before they were named, they might be giants. You know, like there's, I feel like there's, it just was real opportunity to share some of those actual fully, um, fully complete too. Like a lot of these were completed recordings, <laughs> like songs, like yeah. v- lyrics and music that are or something we haven't heard before, like for example, Hell Hotel. Right. You know, put that on then the early years bonus and smoke it. Yeah. You know, this is cool to hear because this is like they said this is the original version, and uh, I mean that's what it's called, <laughs> original version. Take like them at their word. Sounds like it was recorded in a bathroom. I like how it sounds. Like I like the reverb is it's kind of yeah. unique for one of their songs, and I do like the weird energy <laughs> or lack of energy in it. That sounds like str- well, it seems much more home recording ish. Yeah, and when they do the when they're going oh, <laughs> it sounds like someone trying to get out of bed, <laughs> which fits the song. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. about wanting to grow old, so I do, I do think it works. And it's funny. I mean, the whole thing's it's a minute and twelve seconds. That's mm. like nothing. Like the day is longer than that. Yeah. I think. But yeah, it's not as repetitive as the album version. It kind of is in and out. Um, but it's yeah, it's not it's not something I'm super grateful for for it being on then the earlier years. Oh, dude, I'm about to get vicious. <laughs> I am not super grateful. <laughs> yeah, a little grateful, guys. Just a little. Um, I will, for some context, just for the episode's sake, this is similar to the version that they would do live that would transition into Cajun Aquarium. Yeah. 
They would do this version that goes like, think about the dirt that I'll be wearing for his shirt. Yeah, and they would hold on that. And sometimes they'll go like, shirt. And then it would go right into Cajun Aquarium. And I you know, I don't know if there's a reason there's that link of the two songs, but they, I've even seen them do that. Have I ever seen a They Might Be Giant show without you? That's a good question. <laughs> you I might. Don't, I don't think there so. There was a period, I'll say, there was a period um, for a few years where I'd seen them so many times. I wasn't loving some of the maybe albums, and I was like, yeah, I, I'm not going to go to that one. So you might have seen them without who, me but, but once or I twice. Have, who you would I your wife? With? Maybe. Your I, mistress. I doubt it. Maybe my mistress. <laughs> you know, Charlene. Charlene. That's a good mistress name. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if the album version is like everything but the kitchen sink, this version is nothing <laughs> and not the sink either and just... Or it kind of sounds like they, they're in the kitchen sink, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. Um, I have and to say, the other thing is Linnell pronounces the word wife normally in this. Clear off the kitchen table, darling, for on the kitchen table I must lie. I'm just tired for my wife, serve the banquet of my life, and I hope that I get old before I die. It kind of sounds like they're laughing a little yeah. on, this, on the second O. Uh, so it's not that this isn't without its charms. There's precious real estate. Exactly. Exactly. We need more. And, you know, so we, we'll, we can move on to the next track, uh, which to me is makes good use of that precious real estate for the most part. I yeah. have a little complaint. But oh, Complain in time. And the next track we're going to talk about is... I'm... Wicka, wicka, <laughs> I'm, I'm deaf. I'm deaf. I'm deaf. I'm deaf. I'm listening to the radio. Got a job as a test pilot. Yes, I got a job as a test pilot. Got a job as a test pilot. <laughs> so, Dave. <laughs> what, what do you think of I'm Deaf? I mean, I may be overstepping my bounds here, but I'm getting a little bit of a Joshua Freed vibe. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I like this song. <laughs> yeah, I like I'm Deaf. Um, I I'm, get stuck in my head I a lot. I appreciate that. So this is a weird thing. It's cool that it's on here, but they had released this already. This was a, the B-side to the Statue Got Me High single. Really? So it kind of annoys me. Um, that they just put it on. Not only did they put it on then the earlier years as a bonus track, but they cut it, they cut part of it out um, compared to what's on the demo album from 85. Hmm. So it would have been cool if it was like, I'm deaf, full version, because then it's like, okay, we don't have that. But this is the edited version, which is also on the Statue Got Me High single. So not to jump to the end of the song, but the 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 original version that's on that old cassette from, you know, the 80s has more at the end. Yeah, 
Yeah, so they cut out, well, why don't you leave a message in the, the last 10 seconds or so. So do you think the guy that called in is a murderer? Oh, yeah. So, well, we have to talk about that. Okay, so like, <laughs> let's, let's try to, okay, let's focus. So I'm Deaf is, a, is basically a Flansburg experiment, you know, as far as he said, experimenting with the drum machine, experimenting with fun sounds. And one of the things that he experiments with is similar to stuff that uh, is on All Sync Manhattan and yeah. other things. It's a dial-a-song phone message back when, in that brief time when dial-a-song took people's messages. Uh, see, you know, an endless source of fun Old for mind. them. Yeah. <laughs> um, we call that the golden age. Someone had called in, and apparently what they're asking for is if they might be giants, we'll record them, because they have a band. They yeah, because, you know, you ask that of bands. Yeah, they have their own song, and they want to get it recorded. Can they do that? Jordan, didn't you ever think just to do that? Just, <laughs> hey, call your favorite band. Well, it's band. weird. I, I feel bad. I'm kind of on these this, these guys' side, because no. they're reaching out. They need some help. They need some recording done. They're clearly fans of They Might Be Giants. They're, maybe, maybe they could be... Their, Jordan, who doesn't need help? Maybe they we could all be need help, all right? contemporaries to them. Nobody helped me. But instead, Flansburg <laughs> ignores <laughs> the message. Uh, takes it and uses it in a song. Yeah, but that's kind of cooler in a way. It's kind of cool. It's a little dismissive of the the, the band man. <laughs> um, but it, I love it's it. also kind of funny. Uh, but I, I feel I feel kind of bad. I mean, maybe this guy became famous. Who would you think this guy is? This guy sounds like, uh, I don't know, it's John Mayer. John Mayer. Yeah, probably. <laughs> John then Mayer it, I was guess, probably two. <laughs> yeah, then it's a good thing that they didn't uh, right. get involved. Because uh, then I'd kill myself. <laughs> but I mean, on a musical level, it's it's pretty fun. I, I have I have concerns about the big farty bridge. What do you think of that? You're Dave? concerned. I'm concerned. What are your concerns? I'm concerned about the children. I'm deaf. Got a job as a test pilot. Yes, I got a job as a test pilot. <laughs> They bristle at the the Weird Al comparisons, but those little hand farty noises, they're like, it's not exactly that, but it's like, it's maybe that, but like pitched up a little. So you're concerned for the farty noises. It's a little too silly for me. Um, Not that this song is like a super serious song, but it's it's a tough one to play for people when you're trying to convince them that the. I mean, because I would. Why would you play this one for them? Well, because you'd you'd put in then the earlier years, disc one, in in the car or in the CD player or whatever, and be like, "This is my favorite band," and then it (laughs) it eventually winds down to that, and you're like, "Uh, "Yeah." Well, if they're not on board by that point. That's true, that's true. I mean, they didn't make it the first track. In general, I do enjoy the song. Do you have any any theories about the, the lyrics? I mean, I like the line, I got a job as a test pilot, but I don't know. Do you well, think it makes you deaf, I guess. Uh. Well, so, well, I guess we, we didn't even really touch on, so uh, deaf is like a hip-hop term, right? And what does it mean, Dave? You're a hip-hop expert. I am. Buy my new book. It means cool, fresh, <laughs> funky fresh. So in one sense, the right? Flansburg might be saying that he's cool, <laughs> he's deaf but in the other sense he might be using the other meaning well, i assumed it was a joke it was a joke d-e-a-f yeah 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 he says he never listens to the radio uh do you need hearing if you have a job as a test pilot i assume you do <laughs> maybe you don't though i mean you, i guess you'd have to hear what someone's telling you over the your things in your ears there so i'm just assuming that that job made him deaf yeah, because a pilot, they have to plug up their ears because of the air pressure. So that's interesting. I never thought about that for the song. So a, a test pilot would be, maybe, oh, so you think it caused the, the deafness? Yeah, like his ears popped. 
Oh, and never, never, and never depopped. Flansburg in this quote says he thought the phrase I'm deaf seemed like one of the more fucked up new kinds of slang. Hmm. I guess it's a little insensitive to deaf people. Um, right. <laughs> I think they're called hearing impaired. Yeah. Um, they might be confused if they saw someone, you know, if they saw someone's lips saying right. that they were deaf. Like, oh, you're deaf. Great. <laughs> Great. Let's hang out because I want more friends that are, I mean, yeah. I didn't mean it that way. Oh, what did you mean? Like sarcastic. Like, oh, you're deaf. Oh, okay. So you're, you're, you're hearing impaired character is a sarcastic man he's or not a woman. A, he's not a character. <laughs> he's a human being. Jordan. Okay. But so Flansburg continues to say in this quote, the song has no relationship to rap music, even though the title was drawn from it. And then he says, its relationship is completely tangential, which is the core of what makes They Might Be Giants a hard band to explain. At least Flansburg knows. <laughs> at least, Agreed. <laughs> yeah, at least they know that this is what they, they do. This is what they do to us. They drive us crazy. But yeah, it's funny. I mean, look, it's not like this like great melodic, catchy song, but I still really like it. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just like judgment impaired. When it comes to they might be giants uh, 80s material, but even most of the 90s material, I'd say. I do think it is weird that they released it already on the Stagy Got Me High single and then put it on as as like an unreleased bonus track. Do you think they forgot that they put it on the Stagy Got Me High single? (laughs) It's quite possible. It's very possible. Huge library. Well, that Statue Got Me High single is is pretty thrown together because the other Apollo 18 singles have B-sides that were exclusive, like Cabbage Town and, yeah. and I Blame You, like great songs. Whereas the Statue Got Me High single is just songs that were, the B-sides were from things already. Do you think I was just Electra? Like, we need more, more singles. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And they were just like, shit. <laughs> yeah, I just, I always find it funny because they're so prolific. How do they not, how do they have more? But though at the time it would have been cool to get I'm Deaf as a, and good quality too on a CD and everything. You know what I picture when I'm listening to this? I just picture some like nerdy 80s guy, like a nerdy stereotype, like from Revenge of the Nerds. I just imagine him kind of like doing a little dance in his bedroom. I'm listening to the radio. I think that's a good place to stop. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the next track on then the earlier years is Don't Let's Start Demo Version. I'm not a big fan of the sounds in the beginning. They oh, kinda, the little burps? They kind of gross me out. The little disgusting uh, vocal burps? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of takes the... Kind of takes... I don't get it, man. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a funny song, though not that they're you know, shy about putting funny moments in a serious song, but it is particularly strange. I think there's, it's like you can tell the band is still figuring themselves out. Yeah, maybe. Because I feel like even just a short year later, they were like, why? We wouldn't put that <laughs> on our song, right? Yeah, those strange little burps are strange. We should say we're going to cover the 1985 demo in full in another episode, though we'll kind of breeze over these songs. But like I said, we're doing these songs in order of like how widely available they were. Though it is interesting, this version has 
some extra drum beats at the beginning that are not on the 1985 cassette. What? So they like dug into the vaults or something and like found more. And so with I'm Deaf, they took away the end, yeah. but with Don't Let's Start, they added more in the beginning. See, everything balances like, yeah. like Thanos. <laughs> That's true. Um, so let's talk a little bit about this demo version, but not too much. So this, there's no guitar, right? right. This seems like Linnell just made this himself. Even the drums are not very complex. Like I always think Flansburg does the crazy no, drum machine stuff. Down. The vocals are kind of like robotic and doubled sounding. Which again is cool to listen to from sort of an academic sense. Yeah. Like how you put together a song. And I guess what's fascinating to me is, you know, there was a point where they considered this a done song in, in some ways because if it wasn't done, they wouldn't have put it on anything, I feel. Because yeah. the 1985 demo, at the time, I don't know if they were really like, this is a rough sketch. Like, this is something they gave out to tons of people. Like, you think they want the songs to be finished. So there was maybe a time where they're like, this is Don't Let's Start. And yeah. it's like all of the single potential kind of plummeting down because it's only a minute long and it's not... It's not... It's a slower. It's not as, like, exciting sounding. I mean, it could be that that's just what they could do at the time too i don't know maybe they always did you think, think they put a, like a memo to self like, <laughs> make oh, well, song later, better we'll, later <laughs> who knows in public that's what's weird about it though is it's like it's like they're finishing it though i guess i guess there is other cases of that i mean they did like james k polk again later but like more yeah. i also get the the feeling that they're a very immediate band in a lot of ways it's like if they have the thing right now it's like let's strike while the iron is hot let's put this out Maybe it'll be better. I mean, they always say like they try not to be fussy about things. <laughs> Do they? Do they try? They did. I know that they are though. Sure. I guess my point being that at that time they were just like, let's get this out and mm -hmm. see what happens with it. Maybe we can make it better later. Maybe not. One thing that's interesting to me about this version is there's so few lyrics that it's like, it's not just this musically, but you're getting like a, a vague version of the story in the song as maybe as me and you discussed in episodes ago, but like there's so much of that is taken out that you're really just getting the basic idea. Like there's a guy saying <laughs> to, you know, that they don't want to argue with their significant other and then that, and they don't want to live in this world anymore. And that's all you get. Yeah. There's no, you know, there's not much more need. there. How much of a story you can imply in how small a time frame is something that I like about They Might Be Giant songs and all bands I like that do short songs with lyrics that kind of leave a lot open. Well, if you pick your lines carefully, you can do a lot with them. Because, yeah, it's, it's not just a, a demo in, in that way. It's also like the vocals are very careful. Like he's not really, he's not doing his full on Linnell mm -hmm. exuberant performance. It's very like, it's almost shy sounding. Well, they're finding their footing. <laughs> yeah. Finding their footing. The new album. Um, from Troubles Afoot. Picture of you looking over your shoulder like yeah. you have a secret. I, I think it's going to be a picture of me with a magnifying glass, like looking for my footing. That's better. It's always in the last place you look. Don't, don't, don't let's start. I've got a weak heart and I don't get around. I think the ending is kind of strange, right? What do you think of the ending? That last note kind of sounds like they ran out of the studio or something. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, the symbol's still swinging. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, we got to get a lunch. Yeah, the song 
it feels unfinished, which again, it's weird because that demo album, a lot of the songs feel finished. It's pretty, it's a pretty elaborate yeah. 23 song cassette with a lot of um, very full verse. Some of the songs weren't changed at all to mm-hmm. the, uh, the first album versions, but this one is really a case of, it feels very unfinished. It feels like there's more potential there, maybe only in hindsight, who knows, as opposed to like, you know, there's toddler highway is on the demo album and that's all that it ever became, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is interesting. Um, this isn't a bonus track that I'm upset about because that's good. It's, it is interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. And it wasn't really available in good quality, you know, and it was only in cassette quality. So I think it's cool that they put this on there, but then again, I'll also say that there's other songs on that demo album that could have been on here that are super interesting. There's a lot of crazy stuff on it. (laughs) There's crazy stuff that would have been really great. I mean, I don't know why they don't just put it out as a, digitally or a cd or whatever mm. because so it's like they put out the john henry demos and they really yeah. are promoting it a lot and they're really getting it yeah, out there yeah. they made a vinyl this 23 song album has stuff that fans have not a lot of fans haven't heard at all and then there's the fans like me who have heard it but only in cassette quality from other fans who tracked it down and well it's a lot older i mean john henry 1994 that's pretty old by now <laughs> <laughs> Why yeah, not just go back another about, nine years, right? I, I don't know. Maybe they're a little self-conscious of it. I think it's too much of an important artifact, and I, it would be nice if the other tracks on it got the treatment that these, because these sound great. These don't sound like they're from a cassette. They sound, these are right from the masters, it sounds like, especially if they found extra drums, you know? So anyway, that's just my little soapbox thing. I think they should put out <laughs> the demo album as like a full, I would pay for that instantly. I would be so excited about that. So, Moving on to the final bonus track, <laughs> and it's not a song, and it's we don't know what it is <laughs> exactly. 85 radio special. Thank you. Hello. They might be giants are happy to be on a radio program for the first time in their long, illustrious careers. 1985 has been a very good year for They Might Be Giants. In January, Bill began at a new school. Everyone liked him. And he likes everything. 85 radio special go thank you do you think he had as much trouble uh using that effect as we did at the beginning of the show yeah. i think they did it after the fact whereas we did it while yeah, we were listening we should have done ourselves. that yeah, sorry yeah. guys it's, it's really hard to listen to it's it's true well no the problem we were having is so the only way for the effect to work let me explain the beginning of the show the only way for the effect to work is if i turn uh, latin latency latency off which made it a lag, which is really hard to talk when you hear yourself at a yeah. lag because it's very disorienting. It's nice. like you're high or something. So that explains what we should have done before the show. Yes. Um, so 85 Radio Special, thank you. Get high. There's this old um, article that was in this something called Ice Newsletter, which now is, sounds scary. That's an unfortunate name. <laughs> but um, at the time, there was this big thing about then the early years, and Flansburg said this about 85 Radio Special Thank You, and so I'll, I'll read this for you. He says, another example of something we put together unsolicited. Basically, we made a tape and sent it out to radio stations as a promotional device for ourselves. We thought that instead of sending college radio a tape of our songs, which we were sure they'd never play, we'd actually send them a piece of programming. We created this 15-minute Dave, 15-minute radio show with crazy interviews Mm. and spoken word things. The two-minute version on then the early years is the most interesting part of the recording. 
So this is a piece of a 15-minute thing. Yeah. I kind of don't get the logic. They won't play our song, so they'll play a 15-minute... Yeah, they'll play a comedy... Yeah. A bizarre comedy sketch that is confusing. I agree with you. (laughs) I have a theory. I do think some of that 15 minutes might be um, where Doris Cunningham is and and other stuff that they played on the Frankel Tool show, which we'll get to. But then that still doesn't add up to 15 minutes. I mean, that adds up to maybe like six or seven minutes. Where are the missing seven minutes? Yeah, it's like the Nixon tapes. I wish they were less shy about releasing all this cool, funny, crazy stuff they did. I mean... Can they really be that? What's the opposite of proud? Ashamed? <laughs> Could they really Dave. be? Dave. <laughs> yeah, Dave, tell me. Could they really be that ashamed? No, of, Dave is the opposite of proud. Oh, okay. Be thou not, Dave. <laughs> yeah, you think they're really that embarrassed by this stuff? I mean, to me, that stuff's hilarious. It's interesting. It's... Well, look, it's their choice. Very creative, you know. Yeah, so they put out this two minutes on of 85 radio special. Thank you. And uh, so, you know, right off the bat, we'll say it's not a song. Not a song, folks. Not a song. But it is interesting, and it does show the character of the band in the mid-'80s. It has a lot of good jokes. has some good jokes. It mentions our good friend, Bill Krause. Bill Krause. Bill. This is actually all about Bill. Yeah. (laughs) They keep talking. They don't mention John. They don't mention each other. It's basically like giving a life update for how Bill spent his (laughs) year, which is very funny. Um, I don't know if there's an inherent joke in there. It's like, why would a radio DJ need to know what their producer did or whatever, as opposed to like the lead singer of the bands and all that kind of stuff. The first thing they say, it's they're happy to be on a radio program for the first time in their long, illustrious careers, even though they were just starting. I get it. Joke number one. Should I, I guess I shouldn't just explain jokes. (laughs) No, I think that's really good to listen to. Um, I do like Joke when, number two. I like when they say about Bill, everyone liked him and he likes everything. <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> Seems like a fun a guy line. to get to know. In March, we were all trapped deep inside a subway car, racing down tracks, going faster, much faster, until they never let us out. A full ten blocks later, in April, we all sang into it with Tina Turner. In a way, it was nice. And it was our favorite song. They say in March, we were all trapped deep inside a subway car. Now that part scares me because that's one of my fears. <laughs> Racing down tracks going fast. And that might have happened. There's a lot of funny logic here. Saying you're trapped deep inside a subway car. They're not saying deep in a tunnel. tunnel. They're saying they're trapped deep in a car. Now, yeah. if you've never been in a subway car, they're not that big. They're, you know, they're, <laughs> they're maybe they're what? a foot if they're a day. But they're not so long that you'd be deep inside one. <laughs> no. My mom got stuck in a subway car once, uh, mm. like in the 70s or 80s, and she had to walk down the subway track. Oh, my God. Isn't that your worst fucking fear come to life? Because back then, you know kind that movie? Kind of an adventure. Uh, yeah. What the fuck's that movie? Uh, taking the, of taking Pelham, of Pelham. One, two, three. Yeah, so she actually had to do that. And like back mm-hmm. then... Yeah, they open the fucking thing. You walk to the next station. Rats and yeah, scary yeah. chuds. Chuds and <laughs> scary mole people. But I digest. Look, it's fair to say they probably got trapped inside a subway car at some point living in New York City. Yeah. In April, we all sang a duet with Tina Turner. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a way, it was nice. <laughs> like, There's a lot of things in here you could kind of say in your daily life. Like, oh, in a way, it was nice. And it was our favorite song. Oh, so in 1985, she released a duet, It's Only Love. With Brian Adams. So you think this might be a reference to It's Only Love. Ooh, baby, baby, love, love, love. Oh, love. 
It's funny, so the Wikipedia for Tina Turner that I'm looking at, it kind of sounds like the 85 radio special thank you. It's like, in July, <laughs> Turner performed at Live Aid alongside Mick Jagger. Then, we talked about Live Aid. Yeah, I know. That's what's weird. So, But so she did this duet, It's Only Love. So the point of It's Only Love is just saying when you're in, insanely depressed about a, a breakup that happened, like, oh, it's only love. Don't worry. <laughs> Which, Makes sense. I like that sentiment. It kind of like downplays, you know, if you're, if you're overreacting to something or maybe even properly reacting because <laughs> it's certainly painful. But you can kind of be like, oh, it's only love. And love is a thing that will come back again even when it goes away. Right, Dave? And you think that's what Flansburg was referencing? <laughs> well, he says we all sang a duet with Tina Turner, and this, she put out this duet that year. So, yeah, maybe. Is he saying he's Brian Adams? But we spent the entire summer resting up, looking for some vital link missing in the big picture. Bill said he had found it, but in fact, he had lost it. So then, oh, I think this might be my favorite line. Uh, <laughs> Bill said he had found it. But in fact, he had lost it. <laughs> I love how sad he sounds when he's... Yeah, I think I say that a lot. <laughs> then Bill, is, again, it's, this is all about Bill Krause. Bill chipped a tooth sky riding far above the planet Earth. I used to think it was sky riding, diving maybe, <laughs> but it's sky, sky riding far above the planet Earth. And then came the end of well, the Well, you year. know, you can't do any of that far above the planet Earth. Yeah, that's true. I mean... You're in the Earth still. <laughs> You're on Earth. You're like in the atmosphere. So he'd be in outer space. Right. So they're saying he, yeah. he chipped a tooth skywriting, which is like, how would you chip it? Like an asteroid, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they say the name of their dial song service, and they rewound the tape. So you hear it a yes. second time, because they're really promoting that. Pretty hard. clever. Yeah. And one thing that's interesting, me and Dave heard just now, you can hear Flansburg's real voice really quietly yeah. saying these lines way in the background. Try to listen to it now in this thing where they say the dial-a-song line. You can hear it very, very subtly. Thank you for listening to They Might Be Giants. We do have a dial-a-song service at 718-387-6962. Thank you. I think it's a funny way to end the uh, side one. Yeah. Um, or disc one. You know, I am. It's, you are a little torn because it's not a song because you yeah. want more of these songs. But at the same time, I'm so fascinated by all this weird early comedy stuff they did and all that weird, crazy, you know, programming that they made. I mean, I think it's a closer. Yeah, sure. It makes <laughs> exactly. sense. It's just a little thank you. A little thank you. How else do you want them to end it? I mean, come on. So that's then the earlier years, disc, disc one. one. Uh, this episode went a little long, so we want to say goodbye right now. And we want to remind you. We want to remind you. <laughs> we have the dial songs. We have a Gmail at don't let start podcast at gmail.com. We have a Twitter at, at don't, don't let's pod pod. And I always want to say I, I put a lot into that Twitter. We post a lot of crazy exclusive stuff, especially the last few weeks. I've been posting stuff that that people have sent me who are who know the band, and it's been kind of exciting. Yeah, so pop your tops. So we hope, uh, tell tell a friend about our Twitter. Because tell two. Tell two friends. Yeah, why limit it to just one? <laughs> I got I to gotta reach for the stars here. Don't tell three friends, though, because that's the spell that unlocks the gates of hell. Mm-hmm. Our, our Twitter has, for They Might Be Giants fans, I feel like we're really giving a lot of cool stuff. Sometimes I post stuff from my own personal life and fandom, but a lot of times I've been posting some crazy, crazy They Might Be Giants stuff. So please check out our Twitter, Don't Let's Pod. 
please rate the podcast on iTunes. Yeah, if you're listening right now. If it right tickles now, your fancy. Yeah, if you're listening right now, especially on your, your iPhone or whatever the hell. Give us a five-star rating. Just do the little rating. It's not going to hurt you. It, it really helps us out, uh, and it helps me helps me feel good. <laughs> write a review if you Feeling want. good. Yeah, write a review. There's some great. I I was just reading. Read a review. I read the reviews are cool. There's some there's some uh, reviews from two or three that are friends of ours. But there's like a good you know a bunch of others that are from total strangers who who really I like. Sounds the way, convincing. I like the, <laughs> I like the way they describe the show and what we're doing. It's interesting to me and and the, the it's positive. So I'm happy to read it. <laughs> So thanks so much, guys. That'll just about do her. We're going to be back next time with Then the Earlier Years, Disc 2. There's some really exciting, fun stuff on this disc to talk about. And so prep up and prep down. Oh, and Dave, you look like you have something really vital and important and meaningful to say. Three fakes, you're out. There comes a time to heed a certain call. And the world must be together as one There are people dying And it's time to lend a hand It's true we make a better day Just me and you We are the world We are the children we are the ones who make a better day, so just start living. There's our choice we're making, we're saving our own lives. It's true, we make a better day, just me and you. You know, there is a choice we're making, and that is whether to go to this in-store or not. Every day, you gotta ask yourself, am I ready to perform at the in-store or no? Well, today I said the answer is yes. Let's go. Let's go down to Harvard Square to the in-store. <laughs> back out for the kids. All right, sing it. Woo! We are the world. We are the world. We are the children. We are the children. We are the ones. Make a better day, so let's start here. So let's start here. Yeah, the choice we're making, and that choice is going to the in store. It's true, we make a better day, just me and you.